1: Of additional information, I think since I was still asked about the situation, I would say we probably could have brought it to a head now, but we made the decision, and I and I believe the players' association agrees with us that it would be unfair to these players and these teams um, in the middle of the series to announce the results of that investigation. And given that we're of course in the off season, he has now been suspended. Um, by, his, by the Memphis Grizzlies indefinitely, and so nothing is, would have changed anyway in the next few weeks. I, it, it seemed better to park um, that at the moment, at least any public announcement. And my sense now is that shortly after the conclusion of the finals, we, we will announce the outcome of that investigation.
2: I'm anticipating somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 games for John Morant. That's about where I think it'll be at. We'll say we'll say 25 games.
3: I'm going big. I'm going half big. the year. Wow.
2: Oof. Oh, what's going on? I'm Brian No. He's Jimmy Cook here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Also, Eddie Garrison with us. Little uh, shout out to him. Made an appearance there in the intro. So you're the big winner, Jimmy Cook. You get it right. 25 games right on the nose.
4: That's a rarity. Like, I got to really think back in the vault for like an over under that was set where I hit. I'm, I'm, I mean, look, obviously, I wish it was different circumstances and getting the amount of games right that, a... Uh player in the NBA would get suspended for, for wielding a firearm on multiple <laughs> so, Instagram lives. Yeah. Hey, you take your wins where you can get them. You know, yeah. in get them. your
2: face, got that <laughs> called it. Yeah. Uh, you'll have that in your bag, right? Resume there. Resume builder. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. Cause there's one thing we'll get to your Rays run line pick a Ooh. little bit later in the show, but uh, you did nail the, the suspension as far as the games with John Morant, 25 games. I was thinking 30, Uh, Eddie went big. He went half the season there. 41. 41. But, no, it is 25 games. You know what? Before we dive into this fully, I have been brainstorming here, Jimmy. Okay? And uh, you made a comment yesterday, completely uncalled for, totally inaccurate, out of pocket, saying that I am negative from time to time. Outrageous. And so I got to thinking, I'm like, you know what would be a good – bit here. This is what I've put together. It's a working title. I've got numerous suggestions. The Bright Side, Let's Be Happy, No Negativity. You you get the play on words Uh, right there. there Um, uh, Nothing but positivity. Whatever. Whatever you want to go with. I like the bright side, actually. But think about this. So, for a segment, you can throw out any subject you want. Anything. And I have to say positive things about it. And then there's going to be judging, okay? There are going to be scorecards over here. Kind of like the dunk contest. Like, what number are you throwing up? Scale from 1 to 10. You give me a 10 if you think it's a good point, legitimate, believable. You give me a 1. Lowest score if you think my comments are a reach, not even really believable. What do you think about that? Are we starting now? No, no, no. It'll be later (laughs) in the show. I'm just... Just telling you, this is what I've been brainstorming So we're here. grading on
4: authenticity as well? Like, if we feel it's not you just doing the segment to do the segment, if we think it's genuine, is that is that in there too or no?
2: No. Okay. That right. has okay. We nothing to do with it. Okay. Like, <laughs> this will most likely be total BS. Okay. Most likely. Okay. I, I don't know. It depends on the subject that you choose. So it's not a full but, change of heart. It's a yeah. hypothetical change of heart. You're rating it okay. on the comments alone. Like, for instance... If um, if I think that the Jets, this is total hypothetical. Sure. If I think the Jets aren't going to be any good at all this season, let's just say that's my stance. It isn't. But if I'm selling you on the Jets are going to be legitimate, you are just grading me on the argument alone. Okay. Do you think that it's believable? Do you think I made some good points? Did I do a good sales job? You know? Yeah. I think we got some something right here. Okay. I think it's going to be good. I like it. I'm in. I'm positive already. Uh, that's later in the show. Now, John ja Morant. <laughs> so suspended for 25 games without pay. Look, man, when you start doing the math of how much money this is going to turn out to be, that's a lot of money. So I don't know about you, Jimmy. Initially, when I hear 25 games, I think it's a little light. I think it's a little light. It's still a significant punishment, but my guess was 30, not the Grand Canyon beside between you know 25 and 30 games. But my first reaction was 25, eh, a little light. But you start thinking about the money. So it's going to be $7.6 million just in salary alone with those 25 games missed. Then you add the eight games last season that he missed. Also, can't qualify for All-NBA. Gotta play at least sixty-five games, so he's gonna miss out on the Supermax extension. That's way more than seven point six million dollars.
4: You could argue that also hurts the Grizzlies just as much as it hurts Job, ja, but
2: that's a deeper conversation probably mm. as the show goes on. We can have that deeper conversation, but so we're thinking with sponsors involved and does he lose one here or there. We're talking in the neighborhood of fifty to sixty million dollars. So when you think of it from the financial aspect and not just dwelling on the games alone, that's a significant punishment. And I think it's deservedly so, but I'm just saying 50 to $60 million. That is not just a, oh, you know, three games and you're back. (laughs) That's significant. there.
4: And that's the part that regrettably, at least for the league, from an optics standpoint, unless you break it down with what is really being, Taken away from Ja, from a dollars and cents standpoint, the phrase 25 games without pay, a general casual is not going to read that far. They're going to get to 25 games and they're going to have their reaction with what that suspension is. And you're right. When you break it down, really look at the economics of it. It's it's a little bit more than just a slap on the wrist. The biggest issue that I have with everything and why it's a, it's a no win situation for the league is if you just scroll around, which you shouldn't, it's a cesspool and very dangerous. Don't do it. But if you scroll around the comments section on Twitter for a lot of this stuff, the main driving point that I've seen for detractors of it is if he wasn't a star player, he'd be probably out of the league. And mm, you're right, he probably okay. would be. Like you're probably like like maybe not. That, to be clear, I, I don't, don't mean think he, so. To be, let me clarify yeah. that, I don't mean the league would suspend him like in like forever. Right. I mean he would not still be on a team if he was a this was Dylan Brooks that was doing this that's what I mean to be clear to be clear I I don't mean that like you know I don't mean the league would be oh he's banned for life that's not what I'm saying I mean this would if that point is true that if it wasn't a star player they're probably not on an active NBA roster right now and okay that's fine Mm -hmm. but that's not looking at the whole picture of he's not a role player he is a star player. Should he be treated differently? No, but there has to be some type of punishment that reflects what was done and makes it look like the league is not just hand-holding here. That they are legitimately right. upset and frustrated that this is the second time this has happened. Something has to be done. Regrettably, though, in the statement, Brian, that's not going to resonate with people. They're going to see 25 games. and The reaction is going to be, oh, well, that's that's nothing. Like, that's What does that really do?
2: Well, uh, let's take it a step further because... If you're talking about the length of the suspension and if this wasn't a star player, because I find that to be interesting. So let's just say from the league standpoint, this is we'll use a teammate. okay? this is Dylan Brooks with the second gun video. What is the league suspension? If that's the case and it's not a star, is it also 25 games? A, is it the same thing in a perfect
4: world where we're playing the Brian No Positivity segment later in the show? <laughs> I would think it's the same. I, I'd say double. Really? Yeah. I think if it's a fringe player, because like I I I, I don't want to be a cynic fully here, but like even though twenty five games has impacts on all NBA and potential contract extensions down the line, mm-hmm. from a team standpoint, twenty five games is survivable for a team like the Memphis Grizzlies. Like they, they proved that last year. I'm not saying it's a guarantee. You could tread water for 25 games. You go further than that. I'm not saying the league is fully looking out for their product Mm -hmm. in a market like Memphis, but if you go higher than 25, you really make it difficult for a team in the West to seriously tread water to the point where everything's going to be okay.
2: Yeah, if you go back, and this is the David Stern era, if you think about Gilbert Arenas, Javaris Crittenton, that was a much longer suspension, and that was for the first one. Right now, those guns were in the locker room. (laughs) That's that's a bit different. Uh, But that was a longer suspension. There was a a situation with Stack Jack, with Steven Jackson, Um, and that was a a much shorter suspension. So it, it varies from from time to time. I'll put it this way. I feel much stronger if David Stern were still around. It's not going to be eight games for the first one, 25 games for the second one. That I feel very strongly about. How much it differs between Jaws' second gun video on social media versus a non-star like Dylan Brooks will just say, his second gun video on social media. Yeah, it's probably a stiffer suspension from the league standpoint And yeah, that's just the way it goes. You have a longer leash as far as that goes. Like, yeah, Dylan Brooks would be looking for a new team, right? Or or cringe player? To be clear, well, (laughs) clarify.
4: Those jokes are already on Twitter anyway. Without this hypothetical of Dylan Brooks being in trouble, like
2: poor Dylan Brooks just being dragged into this, you know. But we're just looking for a guy that's he got released from the team and. If he were screwing up this badly, yeah, it would be a different deal. But look, man, that's the way it goes. You get more chances if you're more talented. The more you bring to the table, the more you're going to get away with. That go- That's as old as time. That's just the way it yeah.
4: is. For me, the bigger issue is the mishandling of the first suspension. Because even though Silver said, I think, to the media, I don't know if this was today or a couple days ago, but he mentioned, could it have been different? Maybe had they gone eight or 12 games? I, I don't know that that really would have had an impact, that right. kind of margin. It would yeah. have had to have been 25 out of the gate like this or like I, the yeah. rest of the season. like that, I agree. that. And maybe then you're like, wow, he still hasn't learned. So I think they're just behind the curve of what probably should have been at the start of this, where they were pretty lax with it by comparison to what they're doing now. Even with that misstep, you can only hope that it resonates now with Ja. I mean, I've read his statement again. It's I'm in a point now where I believe in second chances, and I'm not saying like I'm I've moved on from John. He doesn't be, he doesn't deserve a shot at redemption. But in my camp, he had an opportunity to kind of regroup and and hopefully understand where things were. Even with that mini suspension, to not go around and do it within like three weeks of returning to the floor. Now I need to actually see it. I need to see it proactively and more than just a statement that he understands how big of an influence he is as a star in today's NBA, not just to younger kids, but just being a being a good role model across across the board. And a lot of athletes push back on that. Oh, I don't feel the need to be a role model. Okay, well, there's a fine line between not feeling the need to be involved in the community and flashing guns on an Instagram live? Like, there's there, there's two. There could be a middle ground there. That's what
2: I'm saying. And that's how Ja ended his statement. He said, I hope you'll give me the chance to prove to you over time I'm a better man than what I've been showing you. And uh, it's interesting, right? Like, these are all carefully crafted. There's a team putting Mm -hmm. this all together. And it's smart because it's an ask. You know what I mean? He's asking you to give me a chance. And uh, I find that interesting. But look, man. All it matters now are actions. It's not about words. You can say the most flowery words. He's had many good, carefully crafted statements following other incidents, and then he stepped in it again. (laughs) I don't care about any words. There's nothing that he could say for me to say, oh, yeah. You know, I think he's got it now. The only thing that's going to get me to say that are actions over a long period of time. Because remember after the first video, his dad had, he was like rocking the sweatshirt of Redemption Tour. And it was like all about making the right choices. It was less than two minutes, two months later, he was doing the same thing. So I'm not rooting against the guy. I hate for anybody to be, Blessed with the talent that John Moran is blessed with to completely screw it up. This dude's going to cost himself somewhere between 50 and 60 million dollars. For what? For what? And so I'm not rooting against that guy. I hope he does figure it out because I don't want him to wake up one day 10 years from now and be like, I completely wrecked a golden opportunity. And who knows? Could be worse than that. Like, threw my life away. That's not a stretch, right, when we're talking about things like that. So I just hope that he does figure it out because I think he got to be a bad person to root against someone. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on, man. Like, uh, There's no reason for me to root against him.
4: If I'm him... I am doing everything I can this off season to get myself right. I don't care if that means cutting people out. I don't, and I, that's hard that's to right. do. I'm not saying that's an easy thing to do, but I'm doing everything of self evaluation and internal within my circle evaluation of who is really here for me, what am I doing that is beneficial to me and my well being and my family's well being, and I, I don't care if that means like taking a sabbatical which you're basically forced to do anyway right now so you can't be around the team practice facilities or anything like that until certain steps are made. I don't care if that means taking a vacation somewhere, get away from it all, find yourself, if it's through therapy, if it's through I don't know, going sitting on a beach for 2 weeks and reevaluating yourself. I'm not going to go as far as to say you need to go uh ayahuasca and uh dark uh-huh. retreat like Aaron Rodgers, but whatever works for you, that should be what this summer is for Ja is getting himself in the right space because again, When we had this conversation a month ago, that was my takeaway is I believe this is somebody that is legitimately dealing with stuff from a mental health standpoint and he needs to recenter. And however he does, that is going to be critical to what type of John rant we see when this suspension is over.
2: Yeah, that's a tricky one because he even mentioned it in his statement. He said, "I'm spending the off-season in my suspension continuing continuing to work on my own mental health and decision-making." And look, man, um is there something mental health related with the choices he's made? Maybe. I don't know. I'm I'm not a you know, I'm not in a position to say yes or no, thumbs up, thumbs down on that. I just wonder, Jimmy, and this is a really difficult needle to thread, is what is legitimately a mental health thing, a layer to it, and what is not related to that, and you're just making bad choices. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know the answer to that. I just know this. After the second video, or I forget, after I think it was after the first one, he talked about managing his stress better. And it's like, look, man, we're all stressed out. We all have stress in our lives. It's going to be different. Uh, there are a lot of people listening that haven't played professional basketball before. But they might have a family of three and a mortgage to pay sure. and uh, loved ones that have passed away. And th- there's stress all over the place. I never bought the the thought of, i got to manage my stress better. Like... How does flashing a gun help you with stress? You know what I mean? Like, who has ever said in your life, oh, I'm so stressed out, the kids and the mortgage. But, man, I just go on IG Live and show my nine, and it's all good. Like, come on, man. So that's my whole thing is I don't know what is related to mental health and what is just simply bad choices, and this is a PR spin to try to gain some grace. I really don't know the answer to that.
4: Even if it is the latter, which I stress to you that I think that is, look, whether you want to call it good PR business or not, I think it's gross if that is what was done. And you and I were both in the the agreement camp of that when we discussed it with his IG live post that that resulted in a wellness check by the police, uh, you know, and make sure he was okay last month. I think that, again, I just think it's gross if that is what's happened. But even if that was what's happened and it is just strictly bad choices, that is being protected behind the shield of mental health. Right. While I still think that's gross, the end process that has to take place this summer is still the same, which is figuring out at that point, rather than how to center yourself, you're still centering yourself, but it's how do you grow up? How do you become more responsible if it isn't a mental health thing, if it's just bad choices? Because bad choices, you're right. Everybody goes through those type of struggles of make the right decision or the wrong decision. Ja has more to lose than most because of the position that he's in. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I'm, I would think there would be countless number of NBA veterans, former players, and that's not even getting into the like leadership or counseling realm of things that are outside the NBA. There are people there that would help Ja. He has the money to be able to help himself because of the profession that he's in he's a leg above the average nine to five fair or not that is trying to support a mortgage like you mentioned or trying to put three kids through school that is why i'm saying use those tools to your advantage john morant and if it costs money to get yourself figured out or to to just to find hey how do i become a better person or or grow up faster than maybe i expected myself to grow up that's what this summer is for you. Still focus on your game, too. Like, don't let it right. go by the wayside, but use this to get right because your next step out of line, if it happens, <laughs> look, we could ignore the eight-game suspension for what it is, which is a misstep by the league. 25 games here, yeah. you might be looking at a whole season potentially yeah, if it's that's another possible. misstep out of
2: line. Yeah, it is possible. And that's the thing is, I think about athletes. LeBron is well known for this. The amount of money he spends to get his body right for a season. There are many athletes like that. And you just said it where, man, you're looking at getting your mind right. I, I don't care what it costs. Look at what it has costed mm-hmm. you, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like it, with this suspension here, we're talking 50, 60, some odd million dollars. Yeah, you got to get your head right. It's just as important in this case, more important than your body and and getting your body right for an upcoming season. Uh, Real fast, this is what Reggie Miller had to say on the Dan Patrick show. So uh, Dan asked him, this is about a month ago, Dan asked him if he had a private conversation with John Morant and he's giving advice, what would his advice be?
3: I want you to look at your inner circle and I want you to write a list down of all your boys, all your homies, Right. And I want to look at them all, and I want to say, I want you to burn it up right now. You've got a clean house, young man. And look, the people that he has surrounded himself with, and some of this could be family involved as well. You've got to look at the whole picture, my friend, and what you have and what you can achieve, and right now what's being taken away from you. Which life do you want to live?
2: Yeah, it's interesting advice right there. And I mean, Ja's going to have to really think long and hard. Is this dude good for me? Is he positive in my life? And uh, you might not want to admit it. You might have lifelong relationships. But if you come to the conclusion that, no, this person is not good for my life, you're going to have to do exactly what Reggie is saying right there. Or you're risking going down a path that you ultimately don't want to end up on. Uh, the other part of this, Jimmy, is this happened right before the suspension was announced. Someone from the inner circle mentioned that it was a fake gun in the second video. And that to me is like, we weren't born yesterday. No one's going to believe that. It doesn't add up where if it was a fake gun, John Moran immediately would have been like, ah, just kidding. Like <laughs> He was apologizing. He was like, oh, I'm sorry. Like nothing added up for that to be the case at all. And so that's what I'm saying is someone in your inner circle thought that would be a good idea. And what Reggie is saying is you got to look really, really closely at who you're surrounding yourself with. And if someone in the inner circle is like, I got it. Fake gun. That's what we go with. Like, bro, you got to reevaluate a lot of things here.
4: This is something that everybody can relate to you can't relate to the money you can't relate to the fame you can't relate to the power but you can relate to as you grow up whether it's high school to college college to you know young adulthood or young adulthood to let's say this is not a step that any of us in this room have have crossed yet but bringing kids into the world at some point Mm -hmm. when those steps happen you look around your friend group your circle and you really have to make a decision of is this somebody that I want to still continue to have in my life? Is hanging out with this person, you know, getting the most out of me, and and not a bad influence on me? People have to go through that all the time at all those stages I just laid out. Mm-hmm. It's never easy. People usually get hurt. People are upset. Like it, it's tough. But Reggie's right. You have to do you at some point in time and really look and self-evaluate, but also look around who you're surrounding yourself with and figure out, are they really good for me in my long-term, or are they a bad influence and it's time to cut ties? Not easy, but everybody can relate to that, and that is just as important as any addition to Jaw's game or anything else he's yeah. going to do this offseason. Focus on yourself, but also don't forget to look around you and
2: make tough decisions. That's part of growing up. No doubt. Uh, Real fast, sharp left turn. So none of us have kids, right? You don't have kids, correct? Eddie doesn't have kids. I don't have kids. If it's a race to who has the first kid, who's your money on? Probably me.
4: I, I, I mean, I mean, we're we're a year or two out. I'm married, like like legitimately. I don't mind. Like that's not. Like right, I yeah, I, I, yeah. I would say if we're talking about who's the clubhouse leader right now, it's the gentleman that, that is that is married that is, you know, getting, uh-huh. like sitting there. I, I don't okay, I don't feel yeah. I don't there's no that's not a that's not a brag by any means. I just like I've had conversations with Eddie, I've had yeah. conversations with you, probably uh-huh. more extent deeper with Eddie, because I I see him every day. But yeah,
2: I would I would say me probably. So if this is like the US Open <laughs> golf course. I'm you're at, Shoffley like, what, right now. The yeah. seventh yeah. hole yeah. and are Eddie and I like Teeing off or are we on the second hole? Where where are we? The last time I answered something like
4: that for Eddie, we made him very uncomfortable. So I would let Eddie self answer that question for <laughs> where he feels he
2: is. Which hole are you on, Eddie?
3: Uh I don't know. It's a good question. Probably teeing off, I would say.
2: Teeing off. Yeah. Yeah. Are you at the driving range?
3: That's probably more accurate.
4: Okay. All right. okay. Yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe a putting green. Are I don't putting know. Putting
4: green. Yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 Yeah, well, hey. Are you Seven on your to old, way to the course? Where Where are you at at this point? I, I'm 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 searching on Uber ah. right now. It's I I gotta Uber my way to the golf course. Those fares, those fares, surge Man, charge. Get I'm you. searching for the right fare too. Good lord! Can we carpool over here? <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> By the way, uh, the Indy 500. I got an Indy 500 story for you. Ooh, around the corner as far as <laughs> Ubering to the race. Oh, you might get some enjoyment out of that. And then also. Let's do it. The bright side. Okay? You, Jimmy, and Eddie, you come up with whatever subject you want. Anything. Sports-related, what have you. I have to say something positive and hopefully believable about whatever it is. Okay? Let's do that right around the corner. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Big show today. LaFonzo Ellis at 1 o'clock. We'll have, I got to thinking about Dalvin Cook, right? The former Vikings running back. He's going somewhere else. Think about it from the Colts standpoint. If you could pick any player in the division to have to relocate elsewhere, (laughs) outside the division, who would you choose? It'd probably be Trevor Lawrence. Who would be second in line? Who would be the next guy? If you as a Colts fan could say anyone from the Texans, titans and jags you go somewhere else you go to the nfc boom we don't have to deal with them who would be on your list we'll get into that as we go on here as well coming up next the bright side slash sunshine with no working title but it's all about positivity that's on the way i'm brian no he's jimmy cook it's 93.5 and 107.5 the fan
5: life is so much more than a diagnosis it's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
2: I'm Brian Noh, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan man on uh google just on your phone you know it if you just kind of like scroll down it has all these various stories so two stories just caught my eye jimmy there's one 10 awesome metal covers of country classics Mm. i i have to check that one out that's your kind of music there isn't it metal country country i'm not a huge country guy All we metal yes Slayer. love me some metal I'll I'll report back to you after I check that story out. And then also uh, Alex Morgan with um, like eight different photos of her uh, with Sports Illustrated doing like a little beach soccer type thing. So I I had to click on that as well. Yeah, I'm sure you did. I I had to. Uh, Here's my question, though. It's probably the wrong time because we're almost in the segment.
4: (laughs) 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 Got to get one last one out before we have all this positivity shaking up the Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Is Alex Smith... uh, Alex Smith. Is Alex Morgan... I think she's a former U.S. soccer star, right? I don't know that she's on Team USA anymore. Anyway, it's neither here nor there. Uh, Hot or soccer hot? I'm not going to vote first off. Uh, You up first, Jimmy. What do you say? (laughs) (laughs) Can you elaborate on soccer hot? I don't... Like okay,
3: is she only hot because she plays soccer?
2: Like within the realm of yeah, like being a soccer player, do you evaluate her? It's kind of like the anti Detroit Lions. You know, I feel like if if Amon Ross St. Brown played for another team, his individual value would be greater. You know, it's not fair, but I think with soccer, it's you know like the expectations aren't super high. So when you see a, a very attractive girl, it's like, wow, she's hot. I, I contend, no, soccer hot. Not not just like, hot is a different stratosphere. I go soccer hot myself. You, I,
4: I, I, I would say regular hot. If Alex Morgan was an see, actress, I would, I, would, I would feel the same way if she
2: was uh, in a different profession. Sure. Go regular hot. You don't like the, the classification of soccer hot.
4: Yeah, I mean, I just, I just threw me off because like I, 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 it makes sense. It would just be general, like oh, because yeah. of what she does, elevates her status.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I get that. Sure. Yeah, I'm still going with what I said. I'm still going with standard. Yeah. Okay. All right. With that being said, I'll get you my Indy 500 story in a little while, but it's all about positivity right now. I didn't mean to st- <laughs> start off with Alex Morgan and. <sighs> I'm a work in progress here, Jimmy. Good lord, you got to give me a, no, some time okay. to develop. Hey, uh, it's fine. I, I okay.
4: got some great, great positivity here to bring back into the into the light here.
2: Beautiful. Okay, so here's the deal. Uh, Jimmy has, I would argue, incorrectly uh, said that I, I'm a dark cloud from time to time. Uh, I would say that I, I point out the truth every now and then. It kind of leans negative, you know. But the point of this bit is it's all about positivity. So, Jimmy, you will throw out a subject. Eddie, you're welcome to do so as well. Any subject under the sun, and I can only say positive things about this. And you will rate me on a scale from 1 to 10. 10 being legitimate, great points, solid argument. 1 being not even believable. We didn't think you, you made a decent argument right there. Okay? Of course. All right, I so what do you, what's the first subject here, Eddie, Jimmy? do
4: you want to lead off? Or would you like me to? You go for it, buddy. Okay. Uh-oh. Okay, all right. Bryce Young is a star in this league.
2: <laughs> See, you jerks. You, okay, all right, here we go. Here we go, all right. <clears throat> Game face. Bryce Young is a star quarterback in aye, the aye, NFL. Aye, aye. <laughs> okay, let me introduce you to a couple of names here. Drew Brees, shorter guy, outstanding passer, precise. And that is absolutely what I see from Bryce Young. There's no doubt he's a precise passer, throws with the anticipation. We're talking about computer-like diagnosing of the field. you got to be able to do that in the NFL. Got to read defenses, know where to throw the ball. And he delivers it with great accuracy. You look at his weapons last season. He did not have a who's who. And he still gave you, what, 32 touchdowns, five picks in the neighborhood. Very, very good production. Very good. Uh, So, yeah, I think that Bryce Young, in terms of reading defenses, precision passing, I have no questions as far as that goes. And there have been undersized quarterbacks, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson. Those are shorter guys. Brees much leaner, more like Bryce Young. They lasted for a long, long time, so it is not by any means set in stone that Bryce Young is going to be a walking medicine cabinet and can't stay on the field. As long as he's upright, yeah, I think that guy could absolutely be a star.
4: I'm going to give you a 10. Give you a 10 out of the gate. That was, that was beautiful. Seven. That was a hard one. That's all <laughs> the points that I've highlighted when we had our Bryce Young debates. Uh, I Yeah, I'll give you a 10.
2: 7. I like Jimmy's rating better. I'm sure you would. What, what's your thinking there, Eddie? Though why I went with the seven?
3: Yeah, I feel like it was overblown a little bit. I think you went. I think you started to rainbow there for a little while, and I thought it just became. I didn't think it was genuine. Uh, let's just split that. Well, way. of
2: course it's not genuine. You can't judge it on <laughs> hey, that.
3: You said that you have to be positive and you have to be genuine with no. the positivity in to my To be group. clear,
2: I want to clarify that,
4: Eddie. I, I I hate to hate to push back on producer extraordinaire, but I did ask him last segment if we were factoring in genuine aspects of this, and he said no. So that's no. why
3: I went well, straight I up 10. I know you're, you're
2: not. Okay, but not right, you. to, oh, you you're okay, not to okay. judge okay. on genuine. <laughs> Except <laughs> throw, I am. Throw genuine to the side. It, it's just about can I I make a believable, totally positive argument. You know, that's all. Eddie, would you I, like I to throw was, one out there?
3: I still thought a lot of was good. Uh, no, you can keep going.
4: Okay. <laughs> uh oh. Uh oh. The Sammy Hagar era of
2: Van Halen. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh,
3: oh, 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 oh. I wasn't going to bring this one up.
2: I'm I decided to. Do. I Thank decided you. to. Okay. Um. Just be positive about it.
4: Yeah, you could be a shortage. I just did it to be funny. We can go on. I have other sports ones. I just thought it would be
2: a deep cut there that hey, we would all I, appreciate. I can. if you want me to. No, it's okay. It's all right. Okay. It's all, all right. right. I, will, I, will, I won't ten. make you cut that. It's all right. You <laughs> it <ten> there? That's <laughs> my... I give you a ten for not
4: making me do that. Goodness. That's all right. Uh final fours is an important achievement in sports.
2: Um, yeah. Okay. Okay, so this is uh one of my stances as far as every now and then with the final four in college basketball we might go a little bit too far but here's the deal getting to the final four in college hoops, specifically great accomplishment I would never say that it's not you have 40 minutes with teenagers in a three point line it, almost anything can happen alright I saw Zach Eady take one shot over the last 13 minutes about dudes that are shorter than me you know what I'm saying like <laughs> College basketball is crazy. So if you survive four games and you get to a Final Four, yeah, that's absolutely an accomplishment. It's significant. And I would argue in other sports as well, if you expand it, I think that it should be celebrated more than it is. I think it's incredibly difficult in the NFL, the NBA, to get to the Final Four. So, yeah, you get no argument with me. I think that, and I've always thought it's been an impressive uh, accomplishment to get to the Final Four in your sport. You want me to keep going, or do you have anyone throughout there?
3: Major League Baseball was better without the pitch clock.
2: Wait, what was the rating on my? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Final um, Four? I,
4: eight, but I'm I'm criticizing myself there because the better question, it is what it is, should have been hanging banners about Final Fours, uh, but I but, but, yeah. you, but you played to your script, so I'm docking myself. Your answer is probably a nine. My overall process with that portion of the segment's an eight.
2: I agree with Jimmy there. Okay, it's a missed opportunity. I know, but right. I, 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 I'm not going to point that out. I'm about being positive <laughs> in this segment.
3: Major League Baseball was better without a pitch clock.
2: Okay, um, when you go to a game, what do you want? You want to enjoy it. You want to be relaxed. You want to feel the ambiance. You know what I mean? When you go to a game, you don't want to think, I got to run to the hot dog stand real quickly. If I don't go now, I'm not going to get back into the fourth inning. Right? So it's changed things as far as that goes. I also used to watch games in the background a little bit. And I catch up on work or I'm reading something, and I'm still paying attention to the game, but I'm not watching every single pitch. And with the frequency of pitch, 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 action, 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 I I can't multitask as much as I used to. And therefore, sometimes it causes me to just not turn a game on to begin with. So, yeah, there are aspects where it is not perfect all across the board. Seven. Yeah,
3: he forgot the main point I would have hit on.
2: What was your main point?
3: That everything is rushed.
4: Yeah, I mean he 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 danced around a little bit, didn't specifically say that, but I I would agree. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anthony
2: Richardson's rookie of the year candidacy. And by the way, that would not be my argument whatsoever. I love the pitch clock. Yeah, me too. Yeah, (laughs) to be clear, I don't even know if Eddie is against it or not either, but I I love it. Yeah. Okay, so a rich Clay Richardson being what Uh, rookie of the year candidacy. Candidacy.
4: Why 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 okay why why Anthony Richardson could win rookie of the year? The idea of him winning rookie of the year. Now you should say he will. Make, make it more hard. Okay, you want it.
2: All right, Anthony yes. Richardson will win Rookie of the Year. There you go. See, Eddie, sometimes I don't like you. Yeah, you know, when you... <laughs> <laughs> things are Sorry, sorry, I'm being positive right here. Um, okay, Anthony Richardson being Rookie of the Year. He's not just a candidate. We all know that he's a legitimate candidate. The guy is built like a Greek god, great athletic ability. If you look at Bryce Young, forget about what I said earlier on the bright side, the guy is going to get banged up left and right, okay? He's not going to remain healthy, most likely. C.J. Stroud is going to be like a baby without a pacifier, without having five first-round wide receivers. So I look at Anthony Richardson, and he's in a good spot. You've got Shane Steichen, the quarterback whisperer just whispering what he should do. Getting him in a position for success. And really a lot of this with Anthony Richardson, it's the unknown. The unknown can sometimes cause fear. It can cause fear that will not be realized, which is he hasn't even thrown 400 passes in college. This guy's going to be learning on the fly in the NFL. Ah, What's going to happen? You know what? What if this guy is legit from the get-go? What if he has a great supporting staff and great tutelage from a former quarterback himself in Shane Steichen. I think if C.J. Stroud starts slowly, if Bryce Young, former Heisman winner, starts slowly and is injured, it's going to make Anthony Richardson look even better. So I don't think Anthony Richardson even has to start the entire season to be a, an offensive rookie of the year when it's all said and done. Yes, this guy absolutely has a great chance to do that.
4: I'm going to give you a six for two reasons. One, at the oh. end, you lost to me saying he doesn't have to start and he could still win Rookie of the Year. Because oh, that's I feel absolutely like... true. Okay, All right. No,
2: no, no, I'm saying not the, not the whole season. That, that I probably said it wrong. Like, I don't mean he's got to start from Week 1 through Week 18 to have a chance. Like okay. He could start in Week 6 and still get there. That's what I really was saying.
4: I'll bump it back to a seven, but the reason is that I – I know you're being positive here. Maybe that's why you didn't do it. <laughs> you went after CJ Stroud. I fully expected a Smurf Bryce Young right hook to come there in the oh, critiques no. of why he wouldn't or why he could win Rookie of the Year. and It didn't happen, and that disappointed me a little bit. So, oh, so it's a seven man. for me. See,
3: but that would have gone against what he had said earlier in the segment.
4: But he has to critique the other candidates to be able to right. prop up Anthony Richardson. Right. So that's I yeah. why I was I, was expecting I can be to see negative
2: it. about other subjects. So I felt like it was a missed yeah.
4: opportunity there to jump back at Bryce young and it didn't mm. happen
2: so what do you say eddie i was gonna go with a seven and a half what what but eddie but jimmy has talked you off of that you're no, going okay, i'm still
3: good. going with the. <laughs> sorry <laughs> seven and a half there <laughs>
2: <clears throat> okay overall how would you rate it decent first attempt at positivity from yours truly what do you think yeah i mean overall without
4: having actually, this is just bad on my part, writing down every score I gave out, I'd probably give you an average
2: of about an eight. And I'd say that was yeah. those I was about stuff. seven and
3: a half, yeah. Eight, yeah.
2: Yeah. So would you say when you're feeling down and you need someone to cheer you up, I would be the first person you would contact?
3: No, the guy I'm gazing at right now.
2: Oh, hey. definitely, thanks, man. I He's smiling that. on the yeah, YouTube
3: totally ca- uh, the YouTube chat. <laughs> and on on just, Facebook, that that yeah.
4: warms my heart right there. Um, had you not come after the Mahomes family earlier today, I would have fully believed you in
2: saying that. I'm um, sorry. You, you, <laughs> I did it walk was into low it. Hanging I, I, yeah, <laughs> I understand. I understand.
3: Brian, please tell me you saw that tweet.
2: What, with... Your tweet? Oh, yes. No, I. <laughs> oh. What did
3: you put? All right, so Jimmy put out a tweet about Petty Mahomes and then he goes, being the best. He goes, heck, all Mahomes are great. It's so my reply was, indeed, my friend, indeed, with a picture of Jackson
4: Mahomes. I think it might have been his mugshot. It was yeah. his mugshot. It was, yeah, it was well played. It was well done. It was well executed. Yeah. Yeah, it's, he saw it's, an opportunity, hit it out of the park. Top shelf right there. It, it, look, let's put it this way. It would still vary on the subject matter, but, but it, it's now, I, I feel comfortable making that call, Brian. If I'm looking for a pick-me-up, I, there you I, go. I feel comfortable making that phone call.
2: Well, very nice. Okay, coming up next, Diamonds and Celebrations got to dive into two things here rapid fire style top of the hour also LaFonso ellis we'll have some fun talking hoops with the Fonz. i'm brian no he's jimmy cook it's 93.5 and 107.5 the fan
5: life is so much more than a diagnosis it's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy all hits no skips Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
2: Brian, though, he's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. So I saw that your Chiefs, they have new diamond Super Bowl rings over there, Jimmy. 613 diamonds. In their rings. And the one thing I thought about is is there any significance as far as that goes? I have not done a deep dive into it, but remember when the Patriots, after they beat the Falcons and they had 283 diamonds, and of course that's 28 to 3, what the score was when they mounted their comeback. Is there any significance you can think of with 613 diamonds for the Chiefs' rings? Well, thankfully
4: because most teams do this now, whether it's to make us common folk feel like, oh, th- they, there's a justification for why they did that many diamonds. I get mm-hmm. it now. Like Maybe that makes the common fan feel better. I like the intricacies of it. Th- there is. Do you want me to go on a long tangent on what they are? Oh, because boy. I can. But uh, you can go to Chiefs Twitter if you'd rather do that. And they have... Close-ups like you would of an enlarged image of, you know, whatever, any jewelry or, you know, how they say on a snack box, a picture enlarged for, for detail as they've done here. There's marks geeky? for each diamond. I mean, it's a geeky for non-fans of the team,
2: right? Like, oh, like, no, like, it's like uh, it's 10 for the AFC games we won. And then you add, is that what it is?
4: Essentially,
2: 38 diamonds represent the points scored against
4: the Eagles. 16 baguette diamonds for each player who scored a touchdown in the regular season. 54 diamonds to symbolize the combined 54-point deficits overcome in the last two Super Bowls. Oh, Uh, my
2: lord. 10 diamonds
4: for 10 consecutive winning seasons. Yeah, yes. yes. Oh, it's pathetic. 16 custom-cut rubies for the total division titles. The franchise has won. Yes, yeah. It's everything has a purpose. I hate it. (laughs) I absolutely (laughs) hate it. Inside, the the top of the diamond come off, and inside of it, on GHA Field and Arrowhead, there are a certain number of Lombardi trophies, but it varies depending on how many you've helped contribute as a member of the team. There's all kinds of intricacies to
2: this. You know what? I will make one exception. Okay. If it was six twelve. And the last one was the garbage defensive holding call mm, that they that, benefited that, that from. Been, you know, that would have that, been. I, I'll co- take everything back. <laughs> if they added that in 613, I'm on board.
4: You know. I think I heard rumors that might have been in there, but for some reason just didn't make the cut. They felt like it, it might distract from the overall ring ceremony. They That's the only
2: there. exception I can they make. They did have time this. for That's 50
4: it. diamonds that are symbolic of the 50 years the Chiefs have called GHA Field and Arrowhead home. I mean, so oh, they did, they did that. Oh, so it's mean,
2: stupid. I just, That's you know, just lame. Yeah, I, mean,
4: I, I thought it's pretty cool. I don't know.
2: That's because you're too close.
4: I am too close. You're right. I mean, to be clear, to be clear, (laughs) when when I separate from it, like, yes, all of these rings are over the top and like just super extravagant. But yes, when you're too close and it's your team, you're darn right. I want to know why it is they they pick certain things about it. Will I forget about those details in probably 48 hours? Yes. But in this ring ceremony process, uh, yeah, I
2: I think it's neat to know why they did it. By the way, I just uh, checked it out, like the 283 (laughs) diamonds in those Patriot rings after beating the Falcons. Mm -hmm. This is what Falcons team owner Arthur Blank said. (laughs) He's talking to Robert Kraft, the Patriots team owner, and he said, I said to Robert, you didn't have to do the 28-3 to in the ring. It kind of pissed me off. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh, that is beautiful. I never knew he said that. (laughs) Oh, that just made my day. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. All it's right. So we got to keep the momentum going. Lafonso Ellis right around the corner talking hoops. Get his reaction to the John Morant suspension. 25 games. Of course, the Pacers. What does he think they should do come draft night here? Less than a week away. Looking forward to that. The Fonz joins us. I'm Brian. No, he's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5. The fan. i He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. I want to welcome in LaFonzo Ellis, ESPN college basketball analyst and just a connoisseur of all things basketball over here. Fonz, welcome in, man. You know, I'm just curious how you felt about your first NBA team. You played for the Nuggets for six seasons, and they just won it all. What was that night like for you when they beat the Miami Heat in Game 5?
1: Oh it, it was awesome. I had to, my wife and I had the privilege of sitting right there <laughs> and witnessing it live. And I said to her it felt like a sense of relief because I think um any player that Played for the Denver Nuggets for any particular length and was inspired and moved by the city and its fans, um, and had a chance to. We all wanted to have an opportunity to get to an NBA finals and win one, not only for ourselves, but for the city. Had the privilege of being the starting power forward on the 1994 Denver Nuggets team that became the first number eight seed to be the number one seed in the Mm playoffs. And with being the third youngest team, uh, though we didn't win it that that year, we thought we'd have many years to try to compete for it. And that just wasn't meant to be. And so to have this group that is such a likable group led by uh, (laughs) a guy who's a future Hall of Famer and Nikola Jokic, it was just I, I felt a great sense of relief. And a great sense of just excitement uh, for these guys and what they've been able to accomplish. And I was thrilled, of course, to be there uh, live and witness them win game five.
2: By the way, Fonz, you could have grabbed the ball like Dikembe Matumbo. <clears throat> You know what I mean? With Matumbo yeah. laying on the ground and hugging the ball. We needed yeah. you in
1: that shot, Fonz. <laughs> no, no, no. Not, not me. I was actually standing with uh, Brian Williams, who we changed his name to Bison Dele. He and I were standing there uh, with our arms wrapped around each other, and I was pointing up to my wife because we, we what a great experience because the entire front office staff was flown to Seattle for Game 5 as well. So to be able to close it out on the road uh, with my team teammates and with all of our loved ones up in the stands. It was really special.
4: Fonz, I know there's probably some aspect of what happens during yeah. Denver Celebrations stays in Denver Celebrations, <laughs> but can, can you walk us through any any little... I pardon the pun, this is an unintentional, but I've walked into it. Can you share any nuggets from what happened uh, within the uh, post-game uh, celebrations and, and what you did afterwards when they won it all?
1: Well, one of my favorite ones was my wife and I, we decided to stay uh, afterwards to not only take it in, but to just just kind of mill around because there's so many security uh, personnel who were there doing my time, who are still there. A few people who worked in the front offices and in different roles are still there. And so one of the cooler ones for me was, uh, I didn't know this, but after uh, media is done in the media room, uh, many of the players and coaches would come out to the main floor where you had a lot of media personnel still out there. And so, Um, Michael Malone was being interviewed right in front of me and and we caught each other's eyes so he raised his fist pointed at me I did the same and then within about a half hour period he was walking through we got a chance to hug each other and of course he's soaked in champagne and uh, he looked at me and said something that still moves me to this moment he's like Fonz you and the guys who uh, participated and wore that uniform for any significant time you guys laid the foundation for 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 us to be able to win it today and so this is much about us and what we've done but also about the foundation that you guys laid and that just that that's like perfect Michael Malone so aware of all aspects of uh, the Never Nuggets and I was just moved by the fact that he would say that to me and of course he would be saying that to any former Nuggets player that wore that uniform for an extended period of time so uh, a great experience um, overall but that was a remarkable moment that I'll never forget.
2: Man that is just respect to mm-hmm. the nth degree right there and I, I just think If I were in your shoes, Fonts, I would feel like, man, your last year with Denver was in 98. That's that's like 25 years ago. Yeah. And and they invite you out there, and Malone says all those things to you. And I would feel like, wow, man, they they haven't forgotten me. You you know how things work in the sports world. Like, something that happened two, three years ago can be out of sight, out of mind. We're talking 25 years, and they're still treating you with high class. That, That is that is really impressive by them
1: yeah undeserved and yet uh, so appreciated we're very grateful we were we were out there for game two and then back out there for game five and and Michael Malone from day one there's a time uh, many years ago that the Nuggets were recruiting me to come do to go and do tv and radio uh, for them and so that was in the early stages of Mike Malone's tenure with the Nuggets and so Got to know him, and he's always been very kind and extending uh, towards me. Uh, we felt that ESPN was a better spot for us, and so we decided to stay. Uh, but anytime we I go into town, he's always very quick to acknowledge me, which I don't deserve because it's not like I'm an all-star. Or my jersey is hanging from the rafters up there, like the great Byron Beck, Dan Issel, David Thompson, Alex English, all of those, Dikembe Mutombo, all of those guys. Uh, so it's not necessary, but I certainly appreciate it.
4: Fonz, when you look at what the Nuggets were able to do and the process of patience that was practiced Mm -hmm. within that front office and by Mm -hmm. Michael Malone, we will take away for the sake of the conversation that, yes, they hit one out of the park that will probably never be duplicated in the value that they got with where they drafted Nikola Jokic. But that overall concept of patience... How lost of an art is that in professional sports today? And why is it sometimes or can be sometimes a missing ingredient that teams, for example, like our Indiana Pacers right now, as they're in this process of a rebuild, need to remember that it takes time to build these things?
1: Yeah, you, you nailed it. The The pressure to win is so immense these days that it can sometimes cloud our judgment and I, I applaud the Denver Nuggets brass and what they were willing to do. They knew they had a stud in Nikola Jokic uh, by year two, certainly by year three so Jamal Murray gets hurt and he goes down. He misses over a year and a half and the tendency is to panic at that point and try to replace or maybe move him on and try to get something either through the draft or try to get something in free agency. They held They, they, they held the court. Then, then all of a sudden Michael Porter Jr. has a back injury and you know how how interesting and intricate uh, back injuries can be and so you don't know if he's really going to return so you could panic at that point they didn't, they stood pat and now all of a sudden and and interestingly enough uh, when I was being interviewed uh, for the job uh, for the Denver Nucks radio and television it was uncertain whether Mike Malone would actually get an extension and so wow. they they hold Pat with two injuries they they secure Michael Malone for an extended period um, and and that's a great lesson in patience and, and and awareness from the Nuggets brass and that has contributed greatly to their being the 2023 NBA champion and I applaud them for that.
2: We're talking to LaFonso Ellis from ESPN here on The Fan. How about that? If you look around the NBA, funds, a couple of places stand out. Nick Nurse won a championship with the Raptors out of a job. Mike Budenholzer just two years ago won a championship with the Bucs. He's out of a job. When you think of your organization, the Nuggets, the one you started off with, and what they've done with Michael Malone, Do you look at the Bucks and Raptors and say, maybe you should have been more patient instead of making a change?
1: I, I think they definitely should have been more paid, particularly in the case of Milwaukee because Giannis is not going anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's a similar issue. Chris Middleton has dealt with a ton of issue, uh, injury issues over the last several years, and that's kept them from being uh, multi-year champions. And I, again, that, that pressure to win and that pressure that you're getting from fans and, 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 and the media boards and, and all of that, you've you got to really consider uh, the decision that you're making because momentum is a funny thing. Thing. You win. You're on your way to winning it, and if you're privileged to to be able to finally get one, uh, it's 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 not always going to be where you're going to win it the next year and 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 you got to make sure that you keep your team chemistry and I think you also have to uh, keep your chemistry with your coaching staff as well so I was disappointed when Budenhoser was let go and it's going to be interesting to see if the Milwaukee Bucks can recapture the magic that they had in his absence.
4: LaFonzo, I know that you aren't following on a regular basis, the inner workings of the Indiana Pacers. You have a job of covering college hoops and, and plenty of else on your plate.
1: Just a little bit. But, but
4: that being said, you, you follow these prospects, even those that maybe aren't in the college ranks. I know that guys like the Thompson twins have come across your radar. Pacers have the seventh pick in this year's draft. They're hoping this is another piece that is going to be a part of their core that reestablishes them within the playoff and hopefully down the line championship conversation We look at guys in that range, guys like the Thompson Twins, Cam Whitmore, Anthony Black, Jairus Walker, Grady Dick, to name a few. Who stands out to you at the top of this draft for the Pacers in this scenario would be staying at seven that could potentially be a piece that grows into something truly special for them?
1: yeah Asar and amen Thompson the the Thompson twins my I'm an 80s guy so I love the Thompson twins <laughs> they they would be intriguing if they would either of them would be around uh, in in that area because you get explosive athletes uh, both six seven one a better better ball handler than the other so you could play that person you can play that one a man at the point guard position the other one's a little bit more defensive minded uh, with, with the men so um, they would be certainly Uh, good picks at that seventh spot, but I'm big on the ability to be able to knock down shots. And when I think about a a shot maker who can make them off the move, off the catch, he's a really good catch and shoot guy. He can make shots on the move. And I think he's an underrated uh, player off the dribble. And I would, Grady Dick, I've just been really pleased with his toughness. He's a fierce competitor. He's a willing defender. And w- when you have a guy comes along that can knock down shots, I- I'd say you can't close a blind eye to that guy. And I really, really like Grady Dick. He's taller than you think, too. I was standing next to him in the NBA co- um, combine. He came to sit up with us on the desk. And I stood up and gave him a hug and wished him well. He's actually my height. I wouldn't be, supr- be surprised if he's more like 6'8", uh, barefooted. And so to have that kind of size, that type of length, he's bouncy, uh, Uh, He'll try to dunk it on you if he's he's at the rim. But the shooting is what stands out. And I I think any team in the league can use a guy who can knock down shots, and not to mention the Pacers.
2: Man, Fonz, you look at the Pacers, they have a couple of low first-round picks also. And you just think about the NBA Finals that we saw. It's not just Nikola Jokic in the second round, but Jimmy Butler. He was a 30th overall pick. That's at the very end of the first round. I'm not asking you – to point out who the next guy is going to be. But if it's a non-lottery pick, is there a guy that you look at and say, I could see him having a really solid career?
1: Hmm. I have to think about that one a little bit more because I've been away from it. It's obviously, kind of season ended in early April, so I've been away from my boards a little bit. Uh <laughs> Yeah, no, no one comes to mind right now that would be a an impact player like that because Jimmy Butler, I had the privilege of covering him when he was at Marquette and actually my wife went to a game with me up there when Buzz was the coach and uh, I, I remember saying to her, when you play for Buzz, you have to be able to guard and of course he's at that time was playing with two players who uh, at least on a national basis were more known than he but I thought Jimmy Butler would be a killer when he went to the NBA and he's proved to be so and once in the nba having played two years for pat riley um i thought he was a miami heat type of player i think his his um Take charge personality and no nonsense about work and winning. Uh, I, I told her it wasn't going to work on the previous teams that he had been at, but it will work perfectly in Miami because that's the culture. I, I don't see I don't see a guy quite like that in the middle and latter parts of the draft, and so I, I'm, I'm I'm a little at a loss for for a guy because that dude right there from day one had the had the physical traits, the mental toughness, the physical toughness, and then would continue to develop a skill because he was always good off the dribble, able to get to the rim. The improved area of his game was the ability to be able to stretch it to keep defenses honest. And I don't see that kind of guy in this year's draft in the middle later part of the draft.
4: Fonz, let's keep it local then and look at two Indiana prospects that are now gone and headed to the NBA draft and Jalen hood and Trace Jackson-Davis. Obviously, two different play styles there, but both hoping to be able to find their way and find their roles within the NBA, which whichever team they End up with usually it's mid to late first round is where they're both projected Jalen obviously closer to that lottery level than than trace in terms of inside the top 15. But what do you look at and see with where they need to grow the most and how they could contribute with those two Indiana Hoosiers?
1: I really love uh, Jalen Hood Shifino. I think he'll actually be better in the NBA than he was in college. And the reason is he'll have more room to operate just because of the, the defensive rules and uh, defensive three seconds, etc. He'll have more room to be able to get in the lane and make plays. Obviously, the area of his game that he can continue to improve, and he's solid now, but I think he'll be great once he gets in the NBA and start working with shooting coaches, his ability to knock down threes. But when you look at his, his physical. Physicality. He's a strong finisher at the rim. He's got a nice pull-up J. He's got a, a, a big body uh, for a point guard, can defend mul- multiple positions. And I think he's a really good uh, pick-and-roll player now, but I think he's going to be a terrific pick-and-roll player in the league because, of, again, because of spacing, many uh, bigs, uh, especially centers and fours in our league playing drop coverage. It'll get him more room to be able to operate when he's coming off of those ball screens. So I'm excited for him. Yeah. <laughs> Trace uh, Jackson Davis, I- I've loved him since he was a freshman. Uh, bouncy, runs the floor. He's long. Uh, he- he's really good operating from the free throw line down, can finish with either hand around the rim. Uh, he's an excellent shot blocker. So you talk about those undersized uh, four guys who you can play even in a small ball five situation. Trace Jackson certainly uh, fits the bill. And he's a Trace Jackson Davis, rather, certainly fits the bill. And I think he's a willing defender as well so i see him initially as a floor runner lob threat um isolation guy that you can put in isolation situations 15 18 feet out and he can get to the rim and finish uh he'll be really good in short roll situations the area of his game that'll have to improve to be able to space the floor is to be able to knock down open threes and i think his mechanics are good enough that he'll be able to shoot it at least proficiently at around the 34 35 percent uh clip as he gets older in the league LaFonzo Ellis
2: from ESPN joining us here on The Fan. I'm just curious uh, to get your takeaway. The Ja Morant suspension was announced today. It's 25 games. And I'm just curious, as a former NBA player, when you look at Ja, what, in your opinion, does he need to do to put himself in a better position to be more mature and to be a better leader?
1: I think he's got to just own the fact that he's put himself, uh, his family, his team, his organization, his city – in a uh, compromised uh, situation and uh, I've read that he's been going to get counseling and uh, he's going to be given great tools to be able to help him grow and mature. Uh, having gone to counseling in the past, myself, marriage counseling, you're giving you're given all these different tools but it has to come from inside of you to want to be better and he's got to apply those tools to help him grow and, and improve and he's, if he's willing to do that and surround themselves with the right right people who will not be yes people and benefiting from him, but that'll push him to be better, then I think we'll see a better version of John Morant going forward. If not, then we'll see much of the same.
2: Fons, you're the man. Always great to visit with you. Hope you have a, a great weekend. And hey, happy Father's Day to you. A couple
1: of days early. I appreciate it. Likewise to you guys. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Bless Thanks, you. Thank, you family.
2: Right. Thank you. Thank you. There he is. LaFonzo Ellis. ESPN College Basketball Analyst, and well beyond, right? We're talking uh, Denver Nuggets, we're talking Jokic, we're talking uh, Ja. <laughs> we got a lot in there, right?
4: I appreciate the modesty, but like I've, I've only interacted with Fonz a handful of times outside of the airwaves, but he deserves that type of recognition, and we were talking about it before we went on air. That's just doing right. It's an easy yeah. thing to do if you're a franchise and you reach that point is to bring back as many of those that, as Michael Malone told him, help pave the way to get them where they are. So hats off to them. But again, uh, I I don't know. I love the fonts. I love the coverage that he brings on ESPN. I I love his personalities. He's a going nature, but he's not afraid to keep it real as well and well-deserving of him and all the nuggets that either were with him within the trenches there or that came before him to be able to appreciate this first franchise NBA championship.
2: Yeah, he's easy to love. And that's the thing is, Fonz is a a very respectful dude. You know, it just oozes out of him. And I love that the Nuggets showed him that same respect. You know what I mean? Inviting him over there uh, to games in the NBA Finals, getting him there to Game 5. He's celebrating, right? And Michael Ballone comes up and thanks him for laying the foundation. Like I said to Fonz... That was 25 years ago that he was with the Denver Nuggets. They could have easily been way beyond that era of Nuggets basketball, and they're not. And that's really, really cool. I take my hat off to the Nuggets for really embracing their past. Because, look, man, there are a lot of organizations. I know this was their first title There are a lot of other organizations, same exact everything in terms of not winning a championship. You could make it almost a carbon copy. And they would not reach out to players from 25 years ago to take part in the celebration. I guarantee it wouldn't be the same all across the board.
4: And that's what separates in terms of not national recognition, but players that go through franchises like that understand it. They know. They, they get it that it's a business, that everybody's trying to win and compete at a high level, but they, they do care about the way that they treat their players and the way their players are received. It's very easy, particularly in today's society, and I thought you brought up a good point when you phrase it that way, Two fonds, which is that we forget things. Not you said two to three years. Like there's some stuff that I forget that happened just uh, like a week ago in the sports world. <laughs> like right. unless you really think about it, like it, it, everything's moving so fast that yeah, you just it's not front of mind. It's easy to get lost.
2: And then who you was look that at- one golfer that had the uh, unbelievable run? You know, in the major, and then the next week he finished in last place. Michael Block, right? Yeah. I I, I might be wrong on the first name, but I'm I'm not sure about the name. I'm right on the
4: last name. I'm not know about the first name, but that's your point. Exactly. Quickly, Yes. And and that's even easier when you are a multi billion dollar valued asset with tons of moving parts to be able to still have the foresight to do something that some might overlook, which is continue to reach out to those that helped get you where you are, that even had a small hand in the franchise. Hey, be a part of this. Celebrate with us. You were a core piece once before. Let's make you a celebrant here
2: tonight. And I think that's just really special. Man, by the way, how about Fonz's ninety six ninety seven season with the Nuggets averaged 21.9 points and seven boards a night. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, that's so it's a shorter season, banged up a little bit, but 49 games. So you're talking 49 games almost gave you 22-7 and seven per night. That's, that's really good. That's, that's <laughs> not really, too shabby. <laughs> that's not a bad line at all for LaFonta. But in terms of the, uh, the celebration and all of that, I found this to be pretty funny. So Nikola Jokic, he changed his tune quite a bit here, Jimmy. So this was right after... The Nuggets beat the Miami Heat in game five to win the championship. Not exactly giddy about the upcoming parade/slash celebration. When is parade? Thursday. Thursday. No.
1: I need to go home.
2: <laughs> I just look. No. <laughs> I need to isolate it. No. I need to get that just as a drop. Yeah, I love that part. But this was the Joker at the parade yesterday embracing the championship celebration.
1: You know that I, I told that uh, I don't want to stay on parade, but I f- want to stay on parade. This is
2: the kind <laughs> I, just, I want to stay on parade. I'm going to say it like that now. I want to stay on parade. <laughs> that, that should be the way it's described from this point on. I, I think he we went as far as change. to say
3: it was the best day of his effing life. And he's got a kid and a wife.
2: Yeah, well, hey, man... He, Maybe they were backstage, you know? Maybe the kid had the uh, the earmuffs. Earmuffs. Hey, hey, little earmuffs, you know? <laughs> but that was, man, you talk about a wild celebration. The Nuggets. Michael Malone. I should have brought that up with LaFonzo. Michael Malone. I couldn't tell him and flavor, flavor apart. Man, Michael Malone was loose yesterday. And it was good. I'm not crushing him. I'm just saying you should enjoy your accomplishment because... There are a lot of times it's just on in the next season, on in the next thing, on, and you don't enjoy what you just did. So, I thought they fully enjoyed what they did yesterday,
4: as they should have. That's very important, regardless of you know how far removed you are. Like I think a fair line is. Obviously, you're still doing off-season work, but yeah, like you, you appreciate it when when ring night arrives. But by that point, you're already so far to the start of the season that okay, yeah, it's opening night. We're ready to roll. It's time to focus on the goal this year. But a couple of days removed, heck, even a couple of months, yeah, enjoy it. Like enjoy it for what it is, but don't let it distract from what you want to do next season. Which is, is Michael Malone like any. Coach that wins a big title. We're not satisfied. We're going for one more. And I love that. I really appreciate that. My larger issue with all of this, even though I've made a joke about it, and I love Nikola Jokic a great deal, and I think it is absolute comedy that you're going to have, this won't happen because the NBA won't let it happen, but you're going to have, in theory, the pre-shots of the NBA Finals, all the old vintage footage that showed you're going to have, never underestimate the heart of a champion, Uh and then followed by, the job's done, we can go home now. Like,
2: like I like I I love that world
4: that we're never gonna get, but the uh-huh. idea of it happening and it does bum me a little bit that we didn't get more raw emotion after winning the championship to a point because I feel like it is a job to some extent as a player to oversell, even if that's what you're doing, yeah, the accomplishment as a face of the league. But all that said, I do love him for who he is and his just abject honesty. Of, hey. hey, I'm ready to get back home to Serbia. I, I, My job's done. I'm ready to go home.
2: I like what you're thinking here. The montage leading up to the next finals <laughs> game. And I always hear Marv Albert in my head like, Oh, a spectacular yes. move by Michael Jordan. And then you just get a, a snippet of this. Wednesday. Thursday. Thursday. No. <laughs> <laughs> back to back. Yeah. 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 Matt and Johnson. The DJ, and he lays it, it in. Yeah. I know that's not the finals, but yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and then that that'll be sandwiched in there. Uh that
4: that alternate reality made me chuckle many a time while watching all the post-game stuff after game 5. Uh I think it's all the more likely that you see Jamal Murray in tears in that montage versus uh Jokic of yeah. job is done. We can go home yeah. now. <laughs>
2: No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I love that part. All right, coming up next. Jimmy, from a Colts perspective, if you could relocate three players from other AFC South teams, who would you choose? We're gonna compare notes right around the corner. I'm Brian, no, he's Jimmy Cook. It's 935 and 1075
5: the fan. I'm Brian. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
2: No, he's Jimmy Cook. Here on the fan. You know, something that just blew my mind. And then I felt bad that it blew my mind. ESPN showed this graphic. How many days it's been since the last Super Bowl win, okay? So these are only teams that have obviously won a Super Bowl to begin with, (laughs) okay? So the Jets, most days in between a championship, nearly 20,000 days, Jimmy. Been a long, long time. Dolphins are next in line. And then as you scroll down, it's Raiders, Bears, Commanders. Then you get to the 49ers, 10,365 days. Then the Cowboys ten thousand and one days. And I was just like, Whoa, the Cowboys have won a super bowl super bowl more recently than the 49ers have. And like I know that, but I forgot it. (laughs) Like it was the ninety-four season for the Niners, followed by the 95 season for the Cowboys. And that was it for both of them. It's the last time. But what stands out to me, isn't it so interesting that you don't bang on the Niners the same way? They haven't won since 94! I've never heard anybody say that. But we rail, we bang on the Cowboys all the time. They haven't won since 95! And that's because Jerry Jones and... Front and center and all of that. I just find that to be really interesting. I totally forgot that. And I never looked at it where the Niners, it's been longer since they've won a Super Bowl compared to the Cowboys.
4: I'm probably missing some here just because I'm, I don't have it in front of me. But off the top of my head, at minimum, they've been to two since then. And Dallas hasn't sniffed it. So I mean I think that might be one point of differentiation. Yeah. Yep. I would also contend though that's maybe not enough to reel into Dallas the same or re- reel into Dallas in a disproportionate way to San Francisco when you lay the numbers out there. But also America's team. How about yeah. them Cowboys? It's an mm-hmm. easy, easy uh the jokes write themselves,
2: you know. That's absolutely correct. Okay, so this is also what I'm thinking here, Jimmy. Dalvin Cook, former Vikings running back. He's going elsewhere. Vikings released him. And so my mind works in strange ways, Jimmy. You just kind of have to give me a little bit of grace over here, okay? So I was thinking, if from a Colt standpoint, if they could look at the division and somehow, I don't know, they've got a conference call with the NFL gods or whatever, and they're able to orchestrate, you're able to get any player out of the division in the AFC South, We're talking Jags. We're talking Texans and Titans. If you had three chances, who are those three players that you are relocating outside of the division where you do not have to face them? I think we can agree Trevor Lawrence is first on the list, right? Yeah, unquestionably so. Where are
4: you going for two and three? So... To totally cheat the game, the answer is take out the coach, take out the head of the snake. Like That's the better way to do it, but I don't want to cheat the game. I'm just saying yeah. that's what I would do if I didn't have to play within the rules is take away Mike Vrabel and you're suddenly less stressed whenever you have to play the Titans. Same thing goes with Doug Peterson, what he's able to do in Jacksonville. But for the sake of the game, got to get a good joke in here off the top of the off the top of the segment. Uh, uh-huh. I mean, you take away Ryan Tannehill, you set the Titans back five years right off the bat. I mean, that's just that Wow, that's...
2: really? Is that... <laughs> That's no, in doing.
4: all in all seriousness, <laughs> in all seriousness, Derrick Henry's probably number 2 in, in terms of even where he's at in his
2: career, Isn't it's probably Derrick Henry. It really shows you like how how good are these rosters exactly with what the Colts are dealing with because you might be right, but Derrick Henry might be this might be his last season yeah. with the Titans. He could be elsewhere very soon. That is a much more realistic of any of probably the other
4: predictions or or calls to action we could make to get them out of the division because of that exact scenario that Derrick Henry is in. If I'm going a little bit off board or like, oh, that's strange. Why would you do this when you haven't seen him play? Because I don't want an opportunity to even come out that he could be a stronghold in this division. And that's CJ Stroud. Just go drop him yeah. somewhere else. I don't want the idea of him turning into a... Justin Herbert to Trevor Lawrence's Patrick Mahomes yeah. for the sake of you know two top tier quarterbacks in a division, but of different levels there of how good they are. I don't want that to be in the boat of the Raiders or the Broncos looking up like, oh, how am I going to chase teams in my own division? So that would that would be one for me is just snuff CJ Stroud out right away and drop him in Atlanta. I don't know.
2: Yeah, listen, I think that's what it comes down to because you start going through these lists and hey, man maybe Will Anderson Jr. turns out to be an NFL stud. I think the Texans significantly overpaid for the guy when you're using so many draft assets instead of using those picks to surround C.J. Stroud with better talent. But the point is, Will Anderson Jr., who knows? He might be a really good NFL player. Uh, You could go on down the list, right? Where maybe Peter Skoronsky is a great offensive lineman for the Titans and so forth and so on. But I think that the true potential difference makers, you're looking at quarterbacks. And so we know Trevor Lawrence can play. It's possible that Will The Thrill-Levis and C.J. Stroud are both players in the NFL, and they're good quarterbacks. That's at least possible. I'm skeptical of C.J. Stroud. You're skeptical of Will Levis. But my list would be if from the Colts standpoint, I could ship off and relocate any three players on the other three teams in the division, my list would be Trevor Lawrence, Will Levis, C.J. Stroud because there's at least the potential to be a real hurdle slash roadblock in your way if those quarterbacks are good because you don't want to have to face good quarterbacks twice a year.
4: And when you add an extra layer to that, you're taking pressure off of yourself in this hypothetical for, did we make the wrong decision with Anthony Richardson? Oh, he's in our division. Now, what have we done? Right. You're taking away some element of that pressure in this hypothetical. That's more beneficial towards the front office than the fan base. But, yeah, there's a lot of layers to that of what that would achieve going straight after the quarterbacks. I don't disagree with you. I wanted to to, to dial a little bit outside of it and not just go straight three QBs, but I think that is the right answer is yeah. take them out. And that's the kind of thing that sets franchises back when they feel like, particularly the Jaguars, where they're at with this ascension, it starts and ends with Trevor Lawrence.
2: Yeah, I think... Look, man, I would never, and I've preached this time and time and time again, quarterback's the most important position. It is clearly not the only position, right? So I don't want to make it sound like it's quarterback and nothing else. Like I said, Will Anderson Jr. could be a pain in the butt for Years. It's possible that's the case. But I think the real, real potential for danger is if the Titans, if the Texans, if they just did draft a franchise quarterback, that's the real recipe to be a, a roadblock or hurdle for the Colts. So if you gave me three chances to relocate these three players and we can put them in the NFC, you don't have to worry about it, those are the three that I would choose.
4: I have a hard time disagreeing, like I said, with any of those. Any were there any that we left off that you felt? I know you mentioned off-air, perhaps uh, one particular defensive weapon still in the South.
3: Yep, I would have gone with, uh, or the caveat that I would have made in this is uh, Jeffrey Simmons in
4: Tennessee. Yes, very, very good player. He
3: just an absolute game record, not only in he the is. run game, but I mean, he's a double-digit sack guy, and he's a... Defensive tackle. Like, he's not a defensive man. Like, he yeah. just blows everything up right in the face of the quarterback. So, if I was going a non quarterback, that would be the first player that I would pick um, after Derrick Henry.
2: No, that's a great call. And you think about some of the Jags' weapons. Christian Kirk had a season last year, and Calvin Ridley coming back from the gambling suspension, he could be a real asset for Jacksonville. The crazy thing with some of those guys, you're like, But I don't know how long they're going to be there. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of weird if you get a chance to relocate any of these players and you choose a guy who's just going to be there for like one or two more seasons. It feels like a lost opportunity, right? The only way it wouldn't is if the Colts were at a
4: further along down the path spot in their projections for what they can do next season. Like, for instance, if the division's so bad. We'll use last year because the Titans in their defense were a play or two away from legitimately winning the AFC South. If I was the Titans and I feel like for the sake of argument, I don't think they do, but for the sake of argument, I have a better chance to win the division than the Colts, I would be more likely to take out a one-year player within division mm-hmm. to speed that process Absolutely. Along. Yeah,
2: but that's not where they are. Correct, they're, they're not. That's that's yeah. why it
4: doesn't work that way and you're really totally. have to think about it, which is why in hindsight like I mentioned Derrick Henry still probably belongs in that conversation, but it's only a one-year impact, assuming they don't decide to keep him longer than they've indicated.
2: I think it's hilarious, and how sobering is that? What you just laid out, you're like, if I had a chance to relocate a player, if the Colts were in the mix, I'd probably choose Derrick Henry, so therefore I'm not choosing Derrick Henry. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) They're just just not right now. You want want most bang for your buck, and
4: also... I mean there's it's undisputed though with all of our points that we've made in terms of players we've outlined it's Trevor Lawrence right now in division because it appears that they on surface have I know this is blasphemous in this town I get it but this is what Jacksonville thinks they believe they have the Dungy Manning combination that was here for years that is what they think they have in Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence whether it actually happens we need more substance in just one season and a a comeback against the Chargers in the
2: round they need to build off of that but that's what they think they have I think they do I really do I don't think that's blasphemous at all I think it depends on what you're saying exactly right like is Trevor Lawrence gonna duplicate or surpass Peyton Manning's regular season numbers that's a high bar but if you're looking at team success do you think over the course of the next decade that Trevor Lawrence can win at least one Super Bowl I think he can I do too
4: Part of that is because that is, I mean, that's what he was sold as, right? Like we joke now after that rough, like return to reality, regardless of how much you want to blame on Urban Meyer or not, that was his rookie campaign. It's now back to in vogue to say, yeah, remember Trevor Lawrence? He was supposed to be a like the world on fire right away type of player. One of the best prospects to come out of college ranks ever. That's back into the realm of maybe a Manning season isn't untouchable for him. Yeah. But I go a step further. I've always really admired Doug Peterson. I think he's a great inventive coach. That even though again he doesn't have the 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 ringing accolades that those above him do, like Andy Reid and like Bill Belichick. He's won a Super Bowl. Like he has that to his name and. I just think he's very innovative as a coach. So it very well could be that type of tandem. I know that's what Jacksonville thinks that gets them at least one, maybe more if they're able to build things the right way and continue to do so.
2: I hear you, man. Hey, coming up next, this would uh, not exactly be a match made in heaven, but it's an interesting proposal. Nevertheless, we'll have some details for you on the way. I'm Brian. No, he's Jimmy cook. It's 935 and one Oh seven, five, the fan. I'm
5: Brian Noe. He's- Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
2: Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. Man, I'll tell you, Tom Petty's Refugee song. Love that song. That's probably my favorite Tom Petty song. Is that is that crazy to say? The verse is not that great. I love the chorus, man. I'll tell you what: if I was driving around, that's the chorus I would sing the loudest.
4: I mean, it's it's hard to get past "Free fall in for me. Like, I don't know, that's an iconic one. <laughs> would
2: you you'd be belting a "Free Fall"? I mean, I mean,
4: it, it calls back to uh, to to Jerry Maguire, right? Like, I mean, I don't know. I I yeah, I I'd, I'd not be afraid to be jamming "Free Fall" and belting it top of my lungs in the car. Go down the highway, yeah, sure, why not?
2: Hey, man, different strokes. Indeed, I could say. I would what be about "Don't Stop Believing"?
4: Thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I've changed my philosophy on things, even though not to dig too deeper because I figured out what I did and I, I can live with it. I can live with the results. No, you have told us this. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not rehashing that. I'm just saying from now on. I'm okay. just going to say I don't know. I'm just going to be bland if it's music that goes past an era I know that I'm not involved with. Hey, I don't know. I don't care. I don't care who it is. I'm just going to tell you. I'm, I'm sorry. I can't help you.
2: Wow. Yeah. It's hard stance. It's changed. That's different. I don't <laughs> know if I like this change from you here. <laughs> so how about this? So Pat Sajak, he announced that he's going to be retiring from wheel of fortune. It's going to be his final season. It's going to be his 41st season That's set to begin in September. After that, walking away. So someone who threw his name in the hat, you might not automatically think this is a great fit to uh, to at least fill in for Wheel of Fortune as they're figuring out who the next person is. Uh, see if you recognize the voice. I want to throw my name into the hat. <laughs> I ain't trying to give up my day job. I ain't trying to give up my podcast. But I got to tell you,
4: if Wheel of Fortune called to ask me to host the show for for a couple of days, I wouldn't mind.
2: Yeah. That would be on the Stephen A. Smith show, his podcast over there, throwing his name in the mix at least on a fill-in basis. Fix
0: it.
4: <laughs> I would. I would love it. Fix it. I, maybe not a long-term permanent host, but I would. I would love it for brutal. A, a couple of days. It'd be great. Oh,
2: brutal. Yeah, we could get Davey Martinez in there. Who was very upset about a call that was not made against the Astros a couple of nights ago? All I want
4: is a puzzle to be solved, and we don't have the hot keys with us for this. But I just want to, oh, just like a top of the lungs yell from Stephen <laughs> A. of celebration when a puzzle is solved. I would, I would, would love it, absolutely love it. You we do know who I'm rooting for. Ah! Ah! Well, that's, that's that's one Brian no
2: there. That would also be high quality. What, what's the context of that? Do you have any idea, Eddie?
4: Oh,
3: I can't remember. It was something that you were screaming about. I, can't, ah, I have well, to go back in. Well, that narrows it
2: down. Yeah. That definitely narrows it down. <laughs> yeah, It's a short list. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, I am rooting for if we're going down the sports, you know, avenue. This would be terrible for Wheel of Fortune, but great for all of us. Bill Bill Belichick. <laughs> career <laughs> after professional football. Give me Pat Mack. He would be great. Uh, yeah. He would legitimately be great at that. But can you imagine? My favorite part would be Belichick revealing what prize the contestant would have won if they answered the final <laughs> puzzle correctly. You know what I mean? We're on to the next puzzle. Oh, it was 40000 It's a, t- 40, th- a $40, toss-up toss this round. It's unfortunate. Okay.
4: We're moving on to bonus round now. Yeah. Uh, this is the I need some charisma. I need I need <laughs> I would enjoy it for like, you know, ten minutes and I'd be like, okay, this is fine. But
2: that's what's so funny about Stephen A is because Pat Sajak, he'll have a couple of zingers here and there and right like, but for the most part it's balanced. his delivery is friendly neighbor Yes. Yep. That's his delivery. And that is not Stephen <laughs> A's delivery at all. So the shock value would that would be funny if even if it was just a couple of shows, it would be funny. But this is part two of what Stephen A. had to say about Wheel of Fortune. Vanna White, according to reports, she thinks that she's going to be on the way out the door, too. But that's not a negative, Vanna. You're synonymous with Pat Sajak. It's okay. If it were me hosting it, uh, you
1: know, I like Vanna a lot. But I wouldn't mind Megan Good turning those letters. Sinai Lathan turning those letters. Wouldn't <laughs> bother me. I think they'd get your ratings. I do. They'd have my ratings. <laughs>
2: Stephen A. already laying out groundwork for who he wants up, man. Stephen A. and Megan Good. Boom, let's go. New Pat and Vanna. Here's what what I
4: want. I want somebody to incorrectly botch a puzzle and we hear this.
2: This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. (laughs) That's what I want more than anything. Oh, man. Or just the look. He just has to look at the camera in that disgusted... Your intelligence is just nauseating kind of you know what I mean? Like any great- <laughs> That is blasphemous.
4: <laughs> like like any great public speaker, whether it's a stand-up comedian, talk show host, a lot of it is nonverbal. It yeah. is how you make humor with with eye movement, with body language. I, yeah. I like it a lot of that. Yes, we watch a lot of game shows in the cookhouse. I'm revealing into that. I I like it a lot to Steve Harvey. Like he is so great from a timing standpoint. If you ever watch Family Feud of just like that type of no words, just his overall facial reactions to things.
2: that's yeah. exactly
4: what Stephen A. would bring to the table.
2: That's if we're true playing it in that regard. Here's my last question: Would Bill Belichick be a better Pat or a better Vanna? Because <laughs> that's legitimate. What, the, what you're just saying, just facial expressions and all of that. He would be a tremendous Vanna.
4: Yeah, I would, I would, I would go yes because you could just pan to him with a close shot when it's oh there's no letters there and just a grimace of pain, <laughs> or maybe he's just he's he at some point gets tired of the gig and he has to go hit seven letters on one puzzle <laughs> yes, right. and by the end of it he's just just angry stern faced. <sighs> yeah, I, I would agree. I, I'd I go think we win. Him.
2: Yep. We win either way. Yes, if that were to happen. Oh, tremendous! All right, coming up next, Aaron Torres. Covers college football, covers college basketball, Aaron Torres' podcast, FSR host. We'll have some fun with A. Torres right around the corner. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian No.
5: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
2: He's Jimmy Cook here on the fan I want to welcome in Aaron Torres, Fox Sports Radio host, Aaron Torres podcast covers things college football, college basketball, life, professional sports, man's man. How's everything wow. going, A eh, Torres? Everything good? Did I hit everything? Every key point? I feel like the red carpet's been laid out quite nicely, you. Well, the man's man
0: really put it over the top. You know, it was like they were like, well, you know, he likes college basketball. I don't know. I'm not sold on. That. Oh, he's a man's man. Okay, he must be eating. He must be eating raw meat in the corner by himself. Okay, cool. He's cool. Let's let's have him on. Let's let him through. So, uh, but I'm good. How are you guys doing?
2: Great, man. It's so true. That's the power of a referral. Everything yeah, that you've been it. working your genitals off for—it's sort of like white noise to some people. Like, "Oh yeah, he's got this podcast. Oh, he covers these sports. Man's man—that's a guy I want to know right there. You know, that's the man, way a referral man. works.
0: So, 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 he just pulls out babies out of wells and on the weekend for fun, just when he needs <laughs> when he when he needs to fill a few hours. Yeah, that's basically. He just basically summed me up in a nutshell, Brian. So I'm good. So you guys are good. What's new over there in Indy?
2: Everything's great. You know, we'll hone in on Indy in a second, but I want to go a little bit broader. We were just talking about Stephen A. Smith throwing his name into the hat to at least be a fill-in host for when Pat Sajak walks away from Wheel of Fortune. What do you think about Stephen A. as the Wheel of Fortune host?
0: Um, I just, I'm very fascinated by like this, this era of Stephen A where I understand you want to branch out and he's done some acting, but now he's doing politics. Um, I guess what I would say is I had not heard that story. I don't think it would be a good role for him. The, 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 the host of wheel of fortune, you're kind of Chris Paul. You're setting everybody else up. You're not the star of the show. Stephen A, you can like him. You can dislike him. He's the the star of essentially every room that he walks in. So feels like a weird fit but listen i mean you know i mean hey throw your hat in the ring i mean if they want to try you out try you out i had not heard that i he doesn't strike me as as the perfect fit for that job
2: yeah no i that'd be a little bit lower on my list how about this too i was just thinking about and we'll get into all things nba draft coming up next thursday but you as your college football ju- college basketball junkie aaron mm-hmm. do you watch the nba draft more from a college basketball perspective or more from an nba perspective
0: you know it's an interesting question brian um you know i I kind of look at it as you know years ago john calipari used to call it graduation day um and you know i think when you love college basketball and and even when you cover it um you're not like learning about a guy um you know the day that he enrolls at Kansas or Duke, like, you're probably, you know, at least in passing, seeing him at some high school events. Like, it was funny this week watching Aaron Gordon. I remember meeting Aaron Gordon when he was, like, a junior in high school, and we shook hands and we did the thing of, like, oh, your name's Aaron. My name's Aaron. You're cool. I'm cool. And, like, we had a little, like, moment. And he was, like, 18, and this was, you know – probably what twenty twelve, twenty thirteen, something like that. So, you know, eleven, twelve years ago. And so I, I just bring it up because it is a cool moment. Um I don't do like the tally of like, well, Duke had this many, so this means they underachieved if they didn't do that. I guess I look at it as more of an NBA perspective. But Brian, I'll tell you this increasingly I just look at it as like a standalone thing. Like it's not really college. Like I guess like a Kentucky fan or Kansas keeps a scoreboard, but it's not. I don't even think it's really an NBA thing at this point because the guys are so young that virtually all of them aren't going to make any sort of major contribution for another four, five, six years. So it's like you know, you again, Aaron Gordon is a perfect example, lottery pick. That is now a role player, two or three teams removed from who he got drafted by. Um, You know, Jamal Murray was a lottery pick, but this is, what, year seven for him? I think he got drafted in 2016. So I I watch it. I enjoy it. I have increasingly, you know, cared less and less about who gets drafted where because even on draft night there's a million different trades and this and that. Um, I think it's cool. I think it's fun to watch, you know, guys that you've covered maybe for three or four years at that point, you know, kind of their lives change forever and that that lifelong goal be achieved. But with the NBA, it's just so different than the NFL because it's not a Joe Burrow or Justin Jefferson or a whomever that you know like week one – I'm going to turn on red zone and that guy's going to be there if that makes sense.
4: Aaron, I want to pivot away from college basketball just a second since we have you here. You were covering heavily the last two weeks, both the sec and big 10 mm. schedule releases yeah your takeaways from for the common fan that is still not getting used to the idea of having all these moves from conference to conference of seeing texas over in the sec in 2024 ucla and usc in the big 10 in 2024 and even though it's a conference war but nationally sec is probably still king your observations from both of those conferences in their future schedule models
0: well, it's something I actually don't think has been talked about enough. Like, college football as a sport is going to just fundamentally be so different in 2024. And so you could use the schedule to kind of talk about it. But, you know, like, think about Oklahoma, right? So, like, Oklahoma's schedule gets released the other day. And, you know, they, they go through the whole, you know, seven stages of grief of, like, oh, my God, this just got real. Like, we have at LSU, at whatever, Alabama at home – But I also just – I don't think people realize, like, college football as a – like, the fundamental way in which we consume it is going to change because, one, you have the two conferences adding teams, but you also have the 12-team college football playoff. And so, you know, as an example – I'll give you an example from this year. LSU and Florida State will both start in the top ten this year. They play the first Sunday Labor Day weekend, so literally like the second or third day of the season – one of those teams is going to take a loss and is going to be battling uphill all year long to get back in the national championship conversation and is basically going to be one loss away from being eliminated. In 2024, excuse me, that's not going to be the case. It's going to be like the NFL, where an LSU could potentially take three losses and still have a chance to compete for a championship. And I don't think fans have like fully wrapped their heads around like, you know, we're going to want to come on on that first Monday or Tuesday after the holiday and say, LSU lost, you know, Brian Kelly, was he overrated, was he this? It's like, it doesn't matter. As a matter of mm-hmm. fact, they can lose next week and it won't matter. And so that's the thing that I think stands out to me just about this new era that we're entering. Like everyone sees the bright lights of, oh, Texas is playing Alabama and Georgia's playing this team, and it's like – it's so much deeper than that, and, like, I just, again, I just don't think people fully realize, you know, again, there's going to be coaches that two years ago, three years ago, would have gotten fired after certain seasons that are going to be able to make the playoff or the, 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 the reverse of it. There's going to be coaches that make the playoff that probably are on a downward trajectory that end up getting fired. So it's just a totally different world we're about to enter. And as I said, I think that, you know, in sports, I think for the most part, pretty much everything is over covered at this point, but like a sport in the way we consume it is going to fundamentally change. And like, I don't think people realize, like I'll just give you an example. Imagine if just next year I told you, oh, the NBA playoffs is single elimination. It mm. just completely changes the way that we consume the sport. Oh, March Madness, it's, it's only 12 teams that make the NCAA tournament. We're like, wow, that's shocking. That's so different. That's what's happening in college football, and I don't think people fully realize that. He's
2: Aaron Torres joining us here on The Fan. The John Morant suspension, 25 games. Jimmy brought this point up at the beginning of the show where he said he thinks you could make an argument that the suspension is worse for the Grizzlies than it is for John Morant. I'm curious what you think about that and just the suspension in general. If you think Ja is going to turn things around here,
0: well, I, you know, I, I was out most of the morning, so I haven't had a chance to really dive in. But my first reaction is um, how dumb some people must think that we as consumers are. Because wasn't it a week ago that John Morant was trying to tell us it was a fake gun and that, you know, it wasn't what we thought? And now he's sending out heartfelt apologies about how terrible he feels. Well, if it was a fake gun, which you were just claiming literally a week ago, then why are you apologizing? You shouldn't be apologizing at all. You should be fighting this. Oh, you think we're dumb, just like you thought we were dumb when you said that you went to rehab for two days and you were fixed the first time. So, you know, what I would just say is, like, fundamentally, the suspension, um, I can't say that I have, like, a big gripe with it, because I do understand the nuance of he did not break any laws, Um and he really, you know, I think he, he, he may have broken the league's code of conduct in Denver, but this most recent time, it's the off season. He's in a state where he's allowed to carry a gun, but I also understand the optics of, you know, I understand the optics of it's just bad for the league. The thing that I keep going back to is that, you know, he's not only one of the faces of the league, but they're in the middle of a, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it, a media rights negotiation, and you don't want one of the faces of your league, um, you know, acting the way that he's acting off the court. So I I, I think I'm okay with 25. I I would have liked to see it be a little bit more just because of the mockery that he made of the first one. But again, I also understand that there's a player's union that no laws were broken. And if no laws were broken, then it's kind of hard to like really, really, really bring down the hammer on him.
4: Aaron Torres with us at Fox sports radio host of the Aaron Torres podcast covers college football and college basketball at large. Going back to the NBA draft, Pacers have the seventh pick. We had a conversation a little bit earlier with LaFonso Ellis, who who had mentioned you know players that were on his radar within that range. He had been very complimentary of the Thompson twins and what they could potentially bring to the table. Obviously, varying ranges there for those two particular prospects. But when you look at that post Wembenyama, post Scoot Henderson, post Miller, you get really into the four to ten range of the draft. What what jumps out at you on paper?
0: is this uh jimmy specifically for the pacers or just in general
4: i want to operate under the world the pacers would take best available so let's say general let's not go to specifics with
0: them yeah yeah because i was gonna say you guys would know their needs better than i do um you know I, i it's an interesting draft i actually find like the honestly probably around the time that like like i think after three there's a big drop but i think like 8 through 25 like i don't think there's there's that much of a difference between any of those guys and i think it's going to turn into you know fit in in various spots um after the first 3 you know the guy that i'm i'm really intrigued by is anthony black um you know, uh, Arkansas guard, six foot seven ish, and it's interesting. You know, little little shameless plug, but you know, I had his coach, Eric Musselman, former NBA head coach, on my podcast this week. And one thing about Anthony Black that I don't think people realize, another thing that's gone kind of, I think, a little bit undercovered. He was a very high-level football player, and for a long time in his career, people thought he would go D1 in football and put basketball aside. And, and literally until his junior year of, of high school played football, had offers for most of the Big 12, Baylor, TCU, those kind of schools. And so I, I think he's an incredible talent. And I also think he's just starting to scratch the surface of his potential where you have some of these kids, they've they've specialized in basketball since they're 12, 13 years old, haven't done anything else. You know, in the case of the Thompson twins have gone to O.T.E. where it's basketball, 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 where you have this kid that was a true student athlete and then a two sport athlete up until about a year ago on top of it. I'm not saying that his path is any better or worse or, you know, the Thompson twins made the wrong decision. I just think that there's probably a lot more room to grow and that you just can't find guys at six, 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 seven, like him that can do the things that he does. I think he's going to have a very good NBA career. He's, he's the guy outside of the top three that I'm most excited about.
2: Hey Aaron, thanks for the time, man. Good to catch up with you. Any crazy plans for this weekend?
0: Ah, hosting four hours of radio with Jason Martin. Um, 8-11 to 11 or 7-11 uh, to 11 Pacific, 11 to t- whatever your time, 11-2. to, two, <laughs> to two your time, I'm not good with math right now. Now, I-, I had a little guy's trip last weekend, so last weekend was kind of the crazy weekend. Today, just watching the U.S. Open, kind of jealous. It's like 20 minutes from where I live, but I completely forgot that it was here until like yesterday, oh, so yeah. never bothered to look into tickets. You know, Brian, if you know someone, I know you're a big swinger out here on the West Coast, so if you know someone that can get me a ticket... <laughs> That'd be big time. So look at if you can do that in the commercial break, if you can find me a ticket, that'd be huge.
2: (laughs) Okay, I'll do a quick search, and I'll hit you up if anything comes forth. How's that sound? That
0: sounds good, man. Thank you so
2: much. All right, thank you. Aaron Torres, Fox Sports Radio host, Aaron Torres podcast, all things college football and college basketball. He makes a great point about how much is going to change when the 12-game playoff rolls around next year. It really will change. It's going to be so weird because it used to be, man. What a huge early season loss, and and it's not going to be the same way. There's, it's kind of like tug and war, I think, Jimmy. Where you sacrifice a little bit in the regular season, and you gain a lot more in the postseason. That's a trade I'm willing to make. But his point is valid. It's going to change a ton, and there will be shell
4: shock, and that was his point as well behind that, right? Because fans don't think about it that way. They just think about, oh, schedule release. Oh, that's nice. That's interesting. And it's very easy to lose sight of the other big event that's happening in college football, which is that expansion of the college football playoff where everything changes, not just our conversation like day-to-day here in the studio and the way that the national media will react to things, but it changes what could be a disappointing start to a season right away or like a, a week three loss that sets you back to now we have a little bit of cushion, a little bit more breathing room to perhaps chase a national championship. And I'm I'm right there with you. The cost of that transaction will ultimately be worth it by the time we're enjoying the college football playoff around the turn of the calendar.
2: Yeah, I think I think different can be a lot different than bad. I think it can vary a lot more where I'll give you an example. It's going to be so different to see college football next year where you have much more margin for error and you can still be a playoff team. That's going to be different. It's not necessarily bad because look at the NFL. If you think about the Packers, good example last year. They get off to a terrible start. Aaron Rodgers has all these young guns. He didn't bother showing up in the offseason. That compounded the problem, right? And then... All of a sudden you blink and you're like, they've rattled off a few wins in a row. And if they win at home in week 18 against the Lions, they're in the playoffs. Yeah, And I don't think anyone was like, that sucks. They shouldn't even be alive to do that. It's like, well, they're still in the mix. And there are a lot of times where that's going to be interesting in college football. So it's push-pull with that, too. There will be a time where LSU or a big-name school loses late in the season, and it's really not that big of a deal. And that does stink because it's so different than what is normal for us in college football, but it does work the other way also, where there's a big-name school that was dead early in the season, and then all of a sudden they've rattled off a bunch of wins, and they're on the cusp of making the playoff, and that's not going to be all bad either.
4: It won't it won't be all bad from the majority of us, but people have to remember that, again, even though I like the idea of expansion for a number of different reasons, and you have to accept it at this point, even if you don't like it, because it's happening, whether you like it or not, but it is going to be largely beneficial, as you would expect, to the tippy top of college football. These larger power five conferences Mm -hmm. are going to have second and third chances. This isn't a door of opportunity for multiple chances for non power fives, but at a minimum, it creates an opportunity at least one representative or maybe two representatives in a really good year for a non power five to to make a move. But more often than not, these stories are going to be Ohio state stumbled early, but here they are coming on strong at the end or at Notre Dame, Traditionally, for them, they lose a game without a conference. That's likely curtains. Well, not anymore now with this expansion. It will generate, at minimum, eyeballs and content. I don't know how the level of happiness to rage will be balanced depending on which team it is that is making that run. But that's what makes the drama of college sports so great.
2: Yeah, and look, I think that when it expands, I think the big boys... They're still going to be winning championships, there's no doubt. But the road to winning a championship is going to be so much harder. That's a a big difference than where it is right now. Where Think about this. In a couple of years, you're not going to have divisions in the Big Ten. Like Next year, you're not going to have divisions. The SEC, the same thing. No divisions. So you're playing, it's number one and number two in the conference championship game. That will affect seating. That might affect whether you even get in or not to the playoff. And then from there, you have to win a minimum of three playoff games. And a lot of those games are going to be against the best college football has to offer. You know what I mean? So, yeah, you're still going to see Georgia and Bama and the big-name schools win championships, but the road to get there, it's going to be a lot harder. And I'm not expecting, like, UTEP to start winning crowns (laughs) or something like that. But I think that's been glossed over is it tends to be like, well, UCF isn't going to be winning championships and, you know, these lower-tier schools. It's like, yeah, true, but... Man, think about how many rings Nick Saban has. The road to just sustaining dominance is going to be a lot harder.
4: It'll be harder to create those dynastic runs. That's a, It's a fascinating conversation, and, it, and it's why there's been so much pushback prior to expansion, which is, oh, Alabama's just going to win it every year anyway. I'm not saying that wouldn't have been the case had you had expanded playoff for all of Alabama's titles that they don't probably ultimately still come out on top, but... At a minimum, it adds an extra gauntlet to what already is the regular season, even though you have a little bit more breathing room there with expanded playoff. It's more of a, hey, we just got to win one more. Today, so you got to go through the entirety of another mini regular season. Hence the postseason name. Very clever there by me. Didn't just invent that. It's been around for hundreds of years. But you get my point, Brian. You get what I'm saying. <laughs> it might be a different story. And that's why everybody, at least that's been pro expansion like me, we want that idea of newness, of freshness, of maybe not the same old dominant team year after yeah. year. Yeah.
2: I, I I'm excited for it. I am. And there are gonna be some drawbacks with the expanded playoff, but I think there are a lot of positives with it. And even if you're against it, chances are if you're really against it, it means you really care and you're probably still gonna be watching. You know, when do you make an impassioned you know, plea for something you don't care about. (laughs) You know what I mean? If you're really bent out of shape, that means you're not going anywhere. So what you're you're saying is
4: that people that are against the college football playoff should stage a reverse boycott is what you're saying. I just want to make sure sure that I'm on the right wavelength with you there. Is that right?
2: jay cook i have got a <laughs> gift for you oh, no. in about 10 minutes this from is now. not the positivity uh, segment anymore which scares oh, me to say it's not a my gift my goodness is this gonna be good first though real fast couple of musical things i found this funny so we were doing uh, brian no and jimmy cook with you here on the fan today we were doing the bright side in the first hour so i was giving you nothing but positivity you had to give me a random subject I couldn't go normal truth teller, which leans negative from time to time. Had to be positive. And so you jokingly threw out Sammy Hagar because, of course, he is inferior to David Lee Roth. Most of us know that. But I Googled real fast when you said that, Sammy Hagar. You know what showed up? A bunch of David Lee Roth songs. <laughs> <laughs> do me a favor. Google Sammy Hagar. And I'm not even joking. What shows up? Jump hot for teacher, ain't talking about love, all these (laughs) David Lee Roth songs. And I'm like, see, this is what I've been saying.
4: Yeah, I I can just see you. with validation, just strutting. Your chest is out. You're just feeling top of the world with a Google search like that. (laughs) Bravo. Well done. Very happy for you.
2: And it also says this. I was not aware of this. It says, uh, this is like the Wikipedia little side portfolio, if you will. It says Sam Roy Hagar, also known as the Red Rocker. I had never heard that before. Have you? And I'm I, I had not. No. I, yeah,
4: had not heard that. Apparently, heard also that. there is a uh, Sammy Hagar birthday bash that's taking place uh, in oh, Cabo. Man. You get some tickets. Yes, every, for
3: it's every year. It's at his. Uh, it's really? At his, yes, every year at his bar. I think.
4: Well, seventy-six birthday
2: bash. There you go, Brian. Hey, Sounds like a good event for you. Let's get over there right away. Did you know that, Eddie? Did you know his nickname was the Red Rocker? Uh never heard of it. Yeah, didn't hear about that. For a guy that little... doesn't have red hair. <laughs> it's sort of reddish. Is it not red anymore now? I thought it was blonde. Blondish? It's blondish or reddish. I don't I don't know. It's gotta be red. I always thought it was blonde too, but whatever. Uh the last little uh music thing. So the the uh, article I stumbled onto: ten awesome metal covers of country classics. The list is freaking terrible. It's <laughs> basically what it. What Man, it I was really had
4: high hopes for that too. That's <laughs> yeah. I'm shocked.
2: I've, I mean, some of these bands, I'm like, Dar- really? Th- these are the but two things to keep in mind, and I'm gonna check them out. Megadeth redid these. Boots are made for walking. Okay, <laughs> I'm curious to hear that one. And James Hetfield, the Metallica singer and guitarist, he did a Waylon Jennings cover of the song Don't You Think This Outlaw Bits Done Out of Hand. I have to hear that. I've never heard that before. Are you interested in that at all, Jimmy?
4: (laughs) I think I could get a brief comedy bit of the boots are made for walking and a heavy metal flavor, but the, no, outside of that, no. I'm not okay. interested in Headfield. I mean, I'm look. I'm already not like in general the idea of country songs being covered. Like I'm already not a big country guy to begin with, and uh-huh. I don't have anything against metal music. It's just not my my taste. So uh-huh. we're out on both counts. It's tough. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not your guy. Not your champ.
2: You sound. You know what? This sounds like I got a taste of me. Is really what just happened right now. <laughs> you gave me the truth. It leaned negative, and I got to be honest. I didn't really care for it. <laughs> That's like I'm, welcome to how other fee- people feel dealing with me half the time. Uh, I think l- is what just happened.
4: We'll play the positivity game for a second. Oh my goodness! That list is Slayer doing a cover of Boot Scootin' Boogie. Please <laughs> sign me up. Like I gotta hear it.
2: <laughs> oh man! All right, coming up next. Jimmy, I don't know which one of these two awful, awful descriptions is worse. We will break the tie next. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm
5: Brian No, He's Jimmy. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
2: Cook here on The Fan. I've got two stories involving awful, awful descriptions, Jimmy Cook. I'm curious which you think is the worst of the two descriptions, okay? So the first one, you might have seen this story, MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred. He said, eh, we might not be ready next year for robot umps. Might not see robot umpires. Thank goodness. You're against this, Much like Skynet, they're on their way, Eddie. Yes, I am
3: so anti-robot umps. Really? Why? Listen, all the rules that have been instilled in the last two to three years, the bigger bases, the pitch clock, you name it, it's all benefited the hitters, because that's what people want to see. Totally get it. But when you... When you add in the fact of a robo-ump, you are taking away the craft of a pitcher to be able to exploit a part of an umpire strike zone that may not be the same as the previous night. That's the whole thing of, as a pitcher. You're trying to figure out the strike zone to what you can exploit to get guys out. And I think if we remove that from the MLB, you might as well just put a, put a pitch machine out there. Like, that's what you have to do at the end of the day if you're, if you're adding robo-umps.
2: Wow. I totally disagree with that take. Because here's the thing. It's going to promote more offense, which is what they want. I get that, and you shouldn't get credit for a ball that the ump mistakenly called a strike. Like I don't that's think you should ever get game credit though. for that.
3: Like that always has been and always will be in my eyes. Like I, I really hate the aspect of Robo ump. So if they went Robo ump, I don't know how. I, I mean, I'm still going to watch it because I love baseball and I love the MLB. But like, I'm just going to be in, infuriated. For however long this goes If they do it forever
4: But I think eventually Once you got past that rage And kept watching like you are Nope Hold on Because Hmm. you're accepting that just like a touchdown is a touchdown because they broke the plane, a strike is a strike because it's in the zone, and a ball is a ball because it's outside the zone. Like, I get the purest aspect of it, and there is part of me that appreciates the art of pitch framing. I do, particularly on the catcher's mm-hmm. side of things. Like, I I think that that is so fascinating to see the way they're able to manipulate and exploit things, but that's the thing. When I'm using phrases like manipulate and exploit, it's like, no, I'd rather it just be black and white. The zone is the zone. That's where you need to shoot for. Like,
2: I, I don't know. I, I'm totally fine with robot umps. I am. I'm actually for it. Um, because, listen, you're still going to have... It's not like a pitch machine where it's just a strike or a ball. There are still crafty pitchers that will throw a pitch outside the zone that will still be swung and missed at. You know what I mean? Like So that part of the game will always stay there. The part that needs to be cleared up... Is just the description of robot umpires. This was Rob Manfred a little while ago on the Dan Patrick show. This is a key point. Check this out.
4: I get emails from fans regularly saying, you know, why do you want to have a robot umpire? Well, we're not going to have a robot umpire. We're going to have an earpiece in an umpire's ear.
2: <laughs> oh, so some people are like, oh, that's, that's what you're doing. Got it. Got it horrible description of there's got to be a different name so you realize it's just an actual living breathing human being who's an umpire who just has an earpiece where they're just like that ah, that was actually a ball or vice versa right like that is a horrible description is it not? You mean to tell me it's not
4: going to be a T one thousand behind the dish? Now I'm now I'm I, I don't know how I feel about these rule
2: changes anymore. I'm really really disappointed. Listen again. Listen to how many people are hitting up Rob Manfred. Like, what is
4: this? What robots? I get emails from fans regularly saying, you know, why do you want to have a robot umpire? Well, we're not going to have a robot umpire. We're going to have an earpiece in an umpire's ear.
2: <laughs> gets regularly hit up with emails an avalanche of people not understanding that it's not actually a robot. Why would you call it a robot umpire then? Except it kind
3: of is. Like, if you think about it, you just have a guy standing behind the plate. He's got an earpiece in, and, he goes, and the robot in and the, and the, and your ear goes, ball. You call a ball. Stri- it might as well just
4: call it a robo-ump. A- automated strike zone would be a better way to, to phrase it, if we're trying to take out the that robot That makes phrasing. more sense. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. Look, it's... It's it's gonna arrive eventually. Like I, I I hate to, cause I feel for Eddie, cause I get the purest aspect of it. And he's not alone. There's a lot of people that feel that way that are very pure about the game. But if you haven't taken the hint already with mm-hmm. what Eddie just outlined, challenges, large bases, the pitch clock, like it's that, offense, that, that offense, it's, offense. That's that's where they're clicking yeah. to. And is it going to cause short term frustration? Yes, but. The more people I talk to that still like baseball doesn't interest them, yeah. Offense wins out, like it yeah. does. And 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 to your point, Brian, like you still see guys even with a normal strike zone whiffing on just oh, yeah. nasty sweepers or just pitches that'll that are, always be the like, case. That yes. won't go away. Yeah. What will be eliminated, though, it to Eddie's point. I suppose at bat by at bat, you could get different influence for, well, if an umpire calls a ball that's just outside the zone, that might change a hitter's approach to what they're looking for pitch-wise. So it does. it, It takes another weapon away from pitchers. I get it. But I also don't care because I'm offensive-minded, <laughs> and I'm sorry. I, I know that upsets I, people, but that's I'm just who I am. I'm just on the
2: uh, the the, uh, the name of robot umpires. I think it is the eggnog of the sports world. Like it, for years, for most of my life, for four decades, I never tried eggnog because I thought it sounded awful. I thought it was it tasted like eggs. It doesn't at all. It tastes like icing to me. It tastes delicious. I love eggnog. I had no idea it was something that would be good. Yeah, it's very just good. Just based on the name, like same thing with robot umpires. I, I initially I was against robot umpires because I didn't know how it was going to work. It sounds way worse than it actually is to me. Now there's another story here, Jimmy. <sighs> Are you ready for this one? I am sitting down. This this was crazy because. This was written by Marcus Thompson, lead columnist at The Athletic, who does a marvelous job. He's covered the Warriors for a long time. He writes beyond Golden State, but he is a smart dude, really, really good at his job. And he did this fluff piece for these dirtbag Oakland A fans. And it is just pathetic. So the reverse God, we've come a long way since that positivity segment. Boy, was that years ago. Oh, my God. These fans who can't show up... Over three seasons, they haven't averaged 10,000 fans. They've been below 10,000 in attendance for the third straight season. And yet, for one night, one night, they showed that they had a pulse and came out... To the tune of nearly 28,000 fans, okay? Just keep that in mind. Nearly 28,000. And so there's one line in particular from this just awful piece of these fans and their, their passion and yada, yada, yada. Marcus goes down and says, What A's fans can bring, what was on display at the reverse boycott, simply cannot be duplicated in this nation (laughs) let's just break that down for a second shall we really there's not another fan base in baseball that can show up have nearly 28,000 people in attendance be loud be passionate be into the game can't find it anywhere else in the nation only Oakland really Really? That is a horrible description. That's the worst I've ever heard in my life. Are you kidding me? How can you say that with a straight face and not be like, no one's going to buy this with half a brain? Okay.
4: Both statements I could say could be true, which is that you're being way too hard on the athletics fans. It's not their fault that Fisher and the rest of his cronies just want to get to Vegas and have a great time. And they regardless of what their intentions are right now with Las Vegas. It's a nine-acre plot of land. I'm curious to see what that ballpark is going to look like there. Had they done that in the first place and that's all they wanted in Oakland, probably would have had a deal done a decade ago. But that's not the path they chose. They wanted to have a full atmospheric 55 acre area where it's like what the Braves have or like what even though it's not a remodel what the Reds or other teams have done outside the stadium which is have areas to congregate and be a part of things pre-game but no they didn't want to do that in Oakland they want to go to Las Vegas and have nine acres of land to play with great that's awesome he, he's a snake that can be true and I appreciate what the A's are doing but this could also be true which is that that's a bridge too far there Way are plenty too far. there are plenty of fan bases <laughs> not just in the MLB if you if if it broke that the Pacers oh. were considering moving we use this like lightly and joking phrasing like for instance you know Will Levis come to the Colts there would have been riots in the streets there would be protest in the streets of Indianapolis not just one game if the wow. Pacers were
2: leaving like oh, so yeah that's no a doubt. bridge that's
4: a bridge too far for me uh, but again Yeah, it doesn't justify what the athletics ownership have done.
2: That's my thing is, are there A's fans that have great passion? Sure. Are there A's fans that are going to be beyond ticked off that the franchise is leaving? Yeah, absolutely. Just don't blow it out of proportion. Don't sit here and tell me this can't be duplicated anywhere else in the nation these fans of the Oakland days. I thought Marcus Thompson wrote for The Athletic. I guess it turns out he writes for The Athletic. Oh, man. Is what... <laughs> right? I didn't know there was an S. I swore it was singular. Turns out it's been plural this whole time. <laughs> Good Lord. What is he talking about? I can't believe... And the comments afterward were just like, Right on, Marcus. And I'm like, oh, my God. Gosh, to be clear to be terrible. to
4: be clear, Marcus Thompson is a beacon for the Bay Area. like I don't I don't disagree at all with him coming out strongly on this. And as you mentioned, g- gave him his flowers to start the conversation. Yes, he's a great writer. He is and I a enjoy great his writer. content across yes. the board. But again, when you start to get into this realm of of column pieces, Pom-poms. sometimes you go again, a bridge too far uh, and the idea that even let's just say, we're forgetting about the biggest deal here with it couldn't be duplicated somewhere. (laughs) Communication is at a level in today's society where I could organize a a worldwide petition and even if they were bots or not, I could have a chart that would list country by country of people that were interested in said issue in about an hour. Like the idea that you couldn't do it across an entire statewide area in another market is lunacy. Like
2: It's it's insane. Crazy. Insane. Makes no sense. Oh, and he Doesn't writes for The Athletic. Uh, the Athletics. No, The Athletic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, coming up next, Jimmy, I've had time. I disagree with one of your points today. Uh-oh. Hopefully, I will not disagree with your betting selections, though. Mm. We will compare notes momentarily. I'm Brian no. He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. I'm Brian No. He's Jimmy Cook here on the fan. I hate to disagree with you with one of your jams in the background, Jimmy. I feel like that's just dirty pool right there, you know? But I, I thought about this. It's an interesting point by you. You think that the suspension of John Morant 25 games may be worse for the Grizzlies than it is for John Morant. Is that where you stand?
4: Yes, to, to, an, to an extent, yes. Yeah, I mean, I just think that... It's, it, it walks the middle ground because, if it's, like I said earlier in the show, if it's any further than that, it does damage more to Memphis because I don't think they could overcome it. Like 25 is close, mm-hmm. but you're still relying on 500 basketball or maybe a little bit better to be where they would like to be in the pecking order yeah. of seating, right?
2: Yeah, that's why I think it's worse for Ja. I think it's way worse for him because think about this. It's the money that it's costing him. 50 to 60 million dollars when it's all said and done that's a ton of change it's the hit to his reputation it's maybe his final strike like he can't screw up again or that could be a full season or more um so i think it puts him in a far worse position memphis like you said 25 games they're gonna tinker with the core of that team but roster wise they're still talented enough to at least tread water yeah you know I mean? Their record, think about this. How bad would their record have to be without Ja for the season to be lost, right? Like, we're talking, what, 4-21 and 21 or something crazy yeah. like that? Like, That's just not going to happen, so I think it's worse for Ja.
4: Yeah, I mean, I, at, at the end of the day, I I do lean Ja's way, but I just wanted to bring up the other perspective of that, yeah, it, it's, yeah. it's a difficult spot for the Grizzlies to be in as well. Totally. Because... Even with the expanded playoffs and what Miami just did, you're asking a lot with what could quickly turn into a tumultuous locker room if Jaws Knight is not within the right place that he wants to be. By the time the suspension's done,
2: no, no yeah, hey, miss, uh, like it's sometimes you just focus on jaw, 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 jaw. But you're right; it's a, a big time pun punishment for the Grizzlies as well. There's no doubt about that. We got to get to your picks, though. Let's do it. The Jay Cook plays of the day.
0: This is me. All right, I'm not a athlete. This is my way. This is how I win.
4: Today's plays of the day. Give me the Tampa Bay Rays to on the money line over the San Diego Padres that at minus one ten. Also going to take the Philadelphia Phillies. I'm breaking the trend of run lines here. I'm just taking them outright over the Oakland Athletics. That at minus 135. Going to take the Arizona Diamondbacks over the Cleveland Guardians, minus 140, and then some plus money for you. Give me the New York Yankees in the series opener against the Boston Red Sox. One and two yesterday, not the week we wanted to this point. We're seven and nine, but there's still opportunity to bounce back.
2: You sound like a man who's been bitten by the run line there. I have. Is that just going straight money line over here? A wise man said I should switch the first five, but I've yet to trust said wise man. Is that wise man Is his, are his initials EG? <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I uh, went with Tampa yesterday because I thought you had a good uh, play right there. And I thought there's a promotion on DK. If you have a two-run lead, you automatically win. And I thought I signed up for that. I didn't. Oh. They were leading 3 <laughs> nothing. Next thing I know, it's tied. Oakland has the bases loaded. We sweated. We got there. We're okay, though. We got there. JMV. Hey, JMV, top of the hour. Everybody have a great weekend. We'll catch you soon. Happy Father's Day.